You are joining us for episode 38 of the Rocky Talkie Podcast. I'm your host, Rocky Riccatoni. Joining me tonight at St. James Espresso Bar and Eatery here on James Street in lovely Hamilton is um, a killer musician by the name of Chris Cadell. Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me. A lovely place you have here. Thank you, man. I like the view. This is cool. It's a, it's a wonderful view. It gets precarious at times when you're trying to record and some people kind of post up uh, <laughs> we, all the sirens. Um, yeah, I heard a couple of those. Yeah, the occasional yeah. hooker here and there. <laughs> it's it's a mixed bag, uh, but it's that's the charm of it, and, yeah. and that's kind of cool. I don't I think it. I've had any, any other way. I eventually want to get like a... Like the uh, Krispy Kreme uh, fresh light that, that says right. live on air, Rocket Talkie Podcast. That could just draw attention. Yeah. The well, crazies like coming like moths. Like a moth to a flame. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Uh, dude, I, so you, you traversed crazy Toronto traffic to get here. I did, yeah. And, I should have uh, left way earlier. And, Sorry and about that. Is this your first quasi green room that has cool. hipster beer, San Pellegrino, and Pad Thai? Yes. Okay. I will say that. Okay. Yes. A lovely pad. Time. I'm proud oh, of that, really by the way. Yeah. Shout out Faux Dabo. Yeah. Uh, so, dude, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been, I mentioned to you before we pressed record that I had first seen you um, playing second guitar with Mr. Colin James maybe four years ago at the Hamilton Place. And uh, ever since then, I've been following you. And uh, you cool. play with South Jordan as well. Yeah, I played with South for a long time. And uh, you're also uh, one of the boys in Big Rec. Yeah, yeah, for the last three years. That's a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and in your own right, you are your own man. You also play with a band called Horshack. Yeah. And Chris Cadell and The Wreckage. Yes. So those are all current incarnations of things that you're kind of doing, uh, rotating. Yeah, they're all kind of still going. Uh, I haven't been, it, Big Rack's been very busy since things have come back, so uh, mm. I haven't been able to do all the gigs with Colin and Sass that... Uh, I'd like to. I've played with them for a long time. Cool. But uh, yeah, once Big Rec came around, it was kind of join it and uh, ride the wave, I guess. Yeah, I want to. I want to camp there, but I'm not going to do that yet. Uh, that's the low hanging <laughs> fruit. Uh, but I'm sure you've you've caught on by now that like for me, as a host, as a as a human, I love like origin stories and and those oh. moments that ended up shaping you into. How old are you? Can I ask? I'll be 42 in couple of weeks so 42 years onward you're still doing it playing music and yeah. i would love to hear the story about how cool. chris uh how, how the how the teeth of music and guitar and all those things sunk itself uh, into you and stuck right how that happened well my my dad uh has, has always been a musician so he's always had a guitar around and ever since you know i was a baby like taking baths and he'd sit on the mm. toilet and practice songs in front of me and stuff like that. And I just, I kind of loved it when he did that. And I was always sort of gravitated toward it. I didn't really like get, get the bug as they say until about high school. I mm -hmm. really, that was when I was, I was like, I think I could do that. You know, right. I went to like a high school talent show or something like that. And I saw some, you know, kids my age doing it. And I'm like, ah, that looks really cool. I'd like to do same. that. Same. <laughs> yeah. why, why they're doing that? Why can't yeah. I? But it was odd because there was always like, my dad never really, you know, I could tell he always wanted me to be in the music and I was always in the music, but mm -hmm. uh, he always kind of wanted me to get into it, but he never really pressured me. He wasn't uh, trying to force me into lessons or anything like that. He was just kind of like, no, yeah, guitar's there if you want it. That's cool. 
So you yeah. you had a you and I had a had a unique reality not a unique reality it's not like we were you know we were the really lucky ones but we were a part of the demographic of families that parents really got off on the fact that we were into music and mm-hmm. my mom would always allow us to come over with all the electric guitars and fill up the, the couches with the amps and the things and she just like loved knowing that first of all we were in the house safe and sound but that we were like learning. Guns N' Roses or Jane's Addiction. I mean, we're just, she was just a champion. And uh, yep. I never experienced the, hey, you should go to school thing. Well, my dad right. kind of, but my mom and my, my son of the family is very musical. So uh, we're lucky that way. Yeah, I wouldn't say my mom was thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> she was a... Uh, what does she do? She, uh, well, she unfortunately passed uh, about 18 years ago. I'm sorry, man. But uh, she was a banker. Okay. And uh, she, uh, my parents divorced when I was about 12. So I, I kind of lived with her and she had the house and stuff like that. So she was tolerant okay. of it. You okay. know, she'd let the band practice in the basement and nice. stuff like that. You know, she'd take the dog for a walk. and Oh, she gets a passing grade with that one. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Okay. She was definitely cool about cool. it. I, cool. I wouldn't say that, but she wasn't exactly thrilled when university time came around and i was like okay uh, okay i try to play music okay that's no way to make a living right so <laughs> so high school comes goes and you were like i'm doing this yeah and so you said you grew up in belleville yeah okay belleville. so how does a kid from belleville end up end up transitioning into that professional realm what, what, um, what was your what was your pathway I, there i guess when i like when i started uh, uh i guess i was about 14 the first year of high school, so just freshly 14. And uh, we just kind of started getting gigs around town at that time and uh, put together a band with a couple of buddies. And uh, um, we'd just play at coffee houses or like wherever we could. And then the, the, that band turned into another band, nice. and that band turned into another band. And then uh, we started a band called Chris Cadell and the Discount Orchestra. Because nice. we were always. We thought it'd be like a three-piece band would be about as discount of an orchestra as you could find. <laughs> I want, I want, I want, to, I want to press pause. You mentioned something that I think only people in our age group maybe experienced at that time: played coffee houses. Yeah, very nineties thing. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even yeah. think about it until I yeah. said it. And we're so ancient now. We are. <laughs> when we I are. think about it, think back, it was like 25 years ago. Yeah. You know, Isn't I, that nuts? I feel like I'm still 25. I know. So. My mom used to say that, and I'm like, Mom, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm 44, and I'm still 19. Yeah. Sorry, I, go ahead. I, I digress. No, not at all. So, I, like, and, and things kind of escalated kind of quickly. Like, there was a really good music scene in Belleville at the time, and mm-hmm. I was right into blues and Steve Ray Vaughan and you know, Big Sugar and that sort oh, of like man, Big Sugar. Hendrix and stuff like that. And so we just play that's easy top st- sort of stuff, just covers and yes, dude, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. So and we were a three piece, so it kind of fit the, yeah. those sort of band things. And uh, did you feel like a weirdo listening to those, being drawn to those kind of bands that were kind of usually out of the the depths of kids our age at that time? Like we, there, was, oh, yeah. there wasn't many of us that were into like the ZZ Tops and the, no, the no, Stevie no. Ray's and. There were a few, like, in my school that that were into it. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, it took me away from a certain friend group that yeah. I hung out with before yeah. that. Because it was all hockey before that. I was, oh, okay. I was hockey, hockey. And you were a Leafs fan, by the way, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah big okay. time. Unfortunately. 
<laughs> Classic. <laughs> oh, this is the year, though. You know how it is. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> so you, but you started to get the. It's kind of like these. You know, you hear these stories of like veterans in in, in the war. They're like, I had this feeling I was going to actually survive the war. You get this. Right. This. I mean, it's a horrible analogy, but 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 yeah. you, there is this crossover point where you realize, ah, I think this might actually be a thing. Like so. Yeah. Pretty quickly, you started getting the inkling that you were on the right path. Yeah, I'd say about uh, when I was about sixteen, we were we were doing those sort of coffee houses, like uh, you know, like they were a bar. But yeah, do you remember we, the names? We allowed uh, the Penguin, Bohemian Penguin was Ooh. a big one. We played in Belleville a lot, and they cool. would have us all the time. They were really great to us. And uh, there was another place called Copperfields that kind of let us play when we were. I remember you know, that 17, name. Seventeen, eighteen years old. Cool. Uh, the Red Lion. Isn't it interesting how uh, a venue can be as much of an integral part of a band's or a musician's story yeah. uh, during those formative years? Like, you know, those yeah. L.A. guys, you know, in the Sunset Strip, like the Motley Crue and Guns and yeah. Scorpions and all that stuff. Like, the, the the venues that really brought them in and held them together, uh-huh. they, they got a big part of that story. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, Front Street Belva was... Definitely far from the Sunset Strip, right? But 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 you can always say like, hey, that's where I cut my teeth, and that's yeah. where they took give oh, yeah. me a chance, and that's when I learned how to like you know play to a room kind of for thing. For sure, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, just kind of word around town, we would we would get gigs. We, you know, before I was even nineteen, and we'd open for like Kim Mitchell and Atlanta Miles when they were coming to town. Amazing. Uh, Wide Mouth Mason one time. Great band. Uh, yeah. How, so so how did you guys get? Uh, into that slipstream of going, hey, these kids need to play and open for you. Like, how did that happen? I think it was just because we were around. Like, we never stopped playing. Like, um, you know, in high school, by the end of it, like, we were playing pretty much every weekend. And if if I wasn't playing, my my friend Kirk Broadbridge, Clifton David Broadbridge now, he... uh, he would always let me get up and play a couple of songs at least. And cool, man. You know, that got us into the, the bar scene. And then we started playing all around, like, uh, you know, anywhere from Kingston to, you know, Coburg area sort of thing. And we Coburg. did that circuit, like, kind of over and over and over and over again. And, you know, by the end of high school, when it was like, okay, what are you going to do? I had uh, I'd applied for radio and television broadcasting at Loyalist College. Mm-hmm. That was my, like fallback thing and I, I got accepted so my mom was like thrilled and you know not exactly thrilled with the major but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like you know yeah. I was interested in it like I wanted to be on sports center you know that was kind of my, okay. my fallback sort of thing I was just I, I love sports and hockey and stuff like that talking about that would be what do you love more if I could snap my fingers and give you a chance to be would you like- to, to be either I'd still pick music yeah for okay. sure yeah cool. But that would be an awesome job. Cool. I would love sitting around watching hockey games and then talking about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, what was I talking about? We were talking about just basically your transition from high school band to like right. gigging band. and Yeah, band. yeah. So then when, when high school ended, and it, was, it was kind of time to make that decision. I was like, you know, if I really want to give a go at this, mm-hmm. I can't have studies kind of at the same time. Right. I felt like, you know, and I... I I, I can't read music, so Humber wasn't really an option. I don't really like jazz. You know, I'm sorry, but I don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in, now I wish I kind of had just to get a little more knowledge right. about some things. And I've, I've done my own research since then, so I, I think I'm, I'm far more. So you're, a, pro, you're a pro musician. Do yeah. you read music? Um, well, 
not like notation or like Nashville reading, like yeah, the I number system and all I that could stuff. Do number system, chord charts. Okay. Um, okay, so you're I good. pick up things pretty quick. You're good. Like if, but if a musician were to look at the charts that I make for something, they'd be like, "What is this? What is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, intro thingy, right? Right? High right. part? Yeah. <laughs> ah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. That sounds it's familiar. Just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Right on. You know, everything's verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. bridge, sort of thing. So V C H V C H V two. Exactly. Don't forget the riff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, fourteen is when the guitar started landing in your lap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so did you go like headlong and was this, was this thing yeah. attached to you? Once I, yeah, yeah. Once I just really decided I picked it up at around 12 and you know, learned the ding, 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 ding. My mom taught me that. Yeah. I played that for, for a while. And then I kind of put it down. I, I just did, you know, I was still very into hockey and, you know, wanted to be in the NHL. Yeah. Like every Canadian kid really wanted to. And then, uh, yeah. And as soon as 14 hit, I was like, this is it. What was the first guitar you had? My first was a Ibanez Roadstar Series 2. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mine was a... It was black with a maple neck. Nice. Mine was a Washburn Lion. It never, oh. never held a tune. <laughs> and I could not figure out what the hell was wrong with it. I'm yeah. like, this doesn't work. <laughs> but... Yeah. This was a... It was a, it was a pretty nice guitar for like a starter. I think my dad maybe paid hundred dollars for it or something like that you're in good hands with an ibanez startup for sure yeah for sure and then i saved up for a i had a a really good kind of cool looking but it was a terrible guitar uh a red red but just red sunburst so it was like red but kind of sunbursted into a little wood grain but it was okay. still red okay and yeah red around yeah that was a really cool guitar and, and when i bought that one my mom gave away my first guitar she thought it was like old hockey equipment. She's oh, like, so well, it's you like, don't need it anymore. You're shedding your skin and it's <laughs> yeah, like this, yeah, exactly. you've molted guitars. Yeah, yeah. She ah! gave it to you. Like a kid, Thanks a lot, mom. You know, a kid down the street and I was so mad. Right. I mean, I could be like, that's mine. Yeah. Was it a Strat? It was a Strat. It was yeah. a Korean made Strat, I think. So it was a Fender. It was a Fender. Okay. Yeah. I remember in my grade six birthday, Derek Mitchell, who lived on my court, brought his consumers distributing Stratocaster yeah. copy in his Gorilla amp. Nice. And I was so enamored with this thing, I slept with it on the couch while we had the sleepover. And it mm. was like out of tune the next morning, but I didn't know how to play a guitar. I was still probably five years away from playing, but I was like, it was this, it called to me. Right. It's this magical thing. Like this thing is so sexy and so cool and I don't have access to it at all. I don't know how to make it work, but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> you a Strat guy? I would say deep down I'm a Strat guy for sure. Like I I grew up basically on a Strat. Yeah. My next guitar was a. It was a. It's a Tele. I still have it. Thank God. '83 um, American sort of standard. Somebody had routed it out for a middle pickup, so I kind of fell in love with it because it was at my guitar teacher's uh, studio and it was for sale and he cool. just kind of had it there and it was there for so long that. I just kind of hmm. didn't even bring my own guitar. Okay. And I just be like, I'll just play the telly. Yeah. Like, just absorbed it. Yeah. And then one day he called me and he's like, somebody's interested in buying this. I know you love it. So. Mm, nice. So I mowed a lot of lawns for that guitar, but it wasn't a Strat. So I never, yeah, I, I loved it. I learned a ton of stuff on it. It was my first kind of nice guitar, like American made. Yeah. Telly. It was maybe my, maybe my, my desert Island all time. guitar. Yeah. yeah. Telly. Telly. Really? Yeah. 
I've had many, many iterations of it, <clears throat> and I yeah. finally landed on a, I've got a 2003 American one and, and ended up putting an aftermarket uh, double-bound body on it, and it's just stunning. Yeah. But it oh, took yeah. me eight years to find the right telly. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy about guitars because, you know, what feels great to one person is yeah, you know, that's, terrible to another. That's person. the thing my, my wife genuinely, preciously doesn't understand is she's like, but you have that guitar, I'm like, but, but it's not the same it thing. Really isn't. It's it, like it, you could have a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes or I'm, I'm trying to make it sound like a, like a dip, a dip, <laughs> which just, you know, I have to give her clothing analogy, but like she's, she's in women's fashion. She owns a store right there, oh, cool. but I'm like, listen, you can have two types of handbags that are both considered the same thing, but they're for different purposes. They feel different. They're yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, just those nuances that a musician yeah. Understands, but those that aren't don't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're, we're both digressing pretty hard here. I'm yeah. sorry. I find acoustics are, are the, the biggest culprits of that. Like, I, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just pick up a, an acoustic and, you know, just the way you play it, it mm-hmm. reacts to you the right way and so just feels good against you. You know what? You I know mean? what? Like, we're, I'm forget. I'm, I'm not going to go chronologically. Let's just keep going down roads we find ourselves on. So let's. Okay, we're, <laughs> okay. now we're in guitar world. So, uh, yeah. so get me started you, with gear. Man. Yeah, man. We we you hear a lot about musicians, uh, and you know, it's true. A, a certain guitar will make you play a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd have to go to Nashville to find the right Martin. But I went to Capsule Music to buy strings, and I walked out with a 19, it's 1979 Martin D18. Nice. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And uh, I have a J45. Both equally beautiful. Uh-huh. Both 100% different. Oh, yeah. Big time. I play differently on each of them. Can you speak yeah. to that? Uh, I- yeah, absolutely. I, I find the J45s are, they're kind of like the... The strumming away front man one. Yeah. And Martins are, you kind of got to be a little more delicate with them to really get their tones out. So they, you definitely yeah. play them sort of differently. They, they boom in a, in a different way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, you strum a J45 hard and it, yeah. it kind of loves it. I call the J45 a nice dry country road yeah. and, a, and a Martin is a babbling brook. It's like very poppy and bubbly and like, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. really, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what do you got? What do you plan on acoustically? What do you? Well, I have a J forty five. That's kind of my main gig in acoustic. Old have, one, uh, new one. It's a uh, two thousand six, I think. Okay. I bought it new. It's got the white tuners, on, tuning pegs. Nice. On it. I, I, I I did mine with those two. I I got rid of the Grovers and I put. Oh, yeah. yeah, you gotta have those. You gotta have those. Yeah. I mean, I hate them. Yeah, the guitar's been frustrating. They're not great, yeah. but they look cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's been a frustrating guitar. I've had m- many different pickups in it and stuff like that, but you know, it's just something about it. Whenever I go, like, I should get something else. Then yeah. I play it, and I'm like, ah, oh, okay. I do love this thing, but I, I, I don't like how it plugs in. I'm still frustrated with how. Does yours get loose when you unplug it? The the the, the housing. Yeah, yeah what I, the hell I just is got that? Used to just tightening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah, then. Then just, it's an inherent. I kind of do it in like just as a. Yeah, it's an inherent J forty five thing, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Just Sorry, these flies, man. They just. Oh, yeah. They must be a fan too. <laughs> um, and so the J forty five is is that all you got right now, or you, what no, else? No, I have a. Uh, it's a. It's called a Ryer guitar. A guy named David Ryer from Belleville. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came to a 
a Colin show one time. He sent me an email and he, he, uh, he was somebody who had seen me while I was playing in the clubs in Belleville and stuff like that. And he started making guitars and, and I guess it was about maybe 2014, 15, maybe he, uh, he sent me an email and he said, I'd like to come you to try cool. some of these guitars. And he came to a call and show in Belleville and I, you know, got him in for a sound check or whatever and played a couple of guitars. I'm like, these are wow, man. Guys. They're stunning. Look amazing. You know, like he's great with wood. He must've been I, thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of, he was really cool about it. And then I was like, I mean, he's like, he's like, what would you change? And I'm like, well, I just kind of, I had this, uh, kind of parlor Martin, uh, CEO, basically a triple O. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of smaller. I'm like, I like this guitar and I wish it was a little bigger. And I love, I love the look of your guitars, but the necks just feel kind of thin to me. Just my personal preference sort of thing. You know, that's, that's kind of thing. And then like about six months later, he sent me another email. He's like, I built you this guitar with kind of those little specs that you, you said. And he's like, if you want it, you know, just pay for the, you know, the parts or whatever. And a little extra and you can have it if you like it. And I was like, this is amazing. So wow. I went and picked it up and it's just like, very good. Very it's cool. It's amazing. It's just so nice. It looks so nice. What a story. Yeah, it was really nice. It was really sweet of him to simple finish, like that. just natural wood. Uh, yeah, it's got, he doesn't, uh, I think if I'm right, he doesn't use lacquer. He just polishes it ah. so much that it kind of shines. Really? So it kind of like, it gets beat up. Like the neck especially is yep. like, but I love that. It's very worn in. Yeah, I love cool. that too. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan. It's kind of like a, an acoustic version of a nitro scenario. It's kind of like this yeah. table, actually. It's not, there's nothing oh, yeah. on it, but like it was like a beeswax, but it's, it's, it's matte, but it's yeah. like, it shines up. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to completely take a complete left turn here, but I'm a, I, I love, I'm a, I'm kind of a brand snob, but I do love Yamaha acoustics. Mm-hmm. And Yamaha has this like budget line called Storia. Yeah, they have a story of three, and it's this like purpley red finish with these purple rings around the sound hole. Uh-huh. Beautiful gold uh, appointments with the the tuning heads and and the, the pegs and all that stuff. It's like I think it's like five hundred dollars, and yeah. it's like a parlor size guitar. Yeah, I can't wait to buy that guitar. If you yeah. ever see one, right, take one off the rack. They're <laughs> they're outstanding. Yeah. So, because you want to get for me, I want a guitar if I'm going to like a writing session or if I'm going to be going to a cottage or something. I want I don't want to be thinking about the fact that my three thousand dollar J forty five is oh, of course. Yeah. in the corner. Yeah. When you have kids and yada yada. So this is like fits that bill. So, yeah, so, I, I love the Yamaha stuff, and they've actually been pretty cool to me for a few things that uh, uh, that I've wanted, and then lent me a few guitars and cool. uh, they do line six as well which is pretty cool i didn't know that i just bought it i just bought a stomp yeah and i didn't awesome. know yamaha i, I, I traded great. in all my pedals like last oh, yeah. last week i'm like i'm done yeah. i'm sick of this cause, <laughs> just because the thing oh, is you can't get rid of the pedals well, I, though. Well, I know i'm gonna regret it yeah. i know it's just a given i know yeah. i'm going to but i'm uh i'm more of a player guitar guy and i'm not right. really a gearhead so i know that i won't chase tones and perfect them the way some guys will uh-huh. so which is hilarious because the learning curve on, on the stomp for me has been hellacious. I'm like, this is impossible, but I'm slowly getting it. You got the Excel? Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, in the long run, this is going to get me there quicker. Right. Um, but yes, I'm waiting for the day when I go, why did I do that? But anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> with those things, I, you, you can't beat the... the, like, the delays and the, you know, the colorful sort of tone sort of things. Yeah. Like, 
there's not unless you get into like you know axe effects and like yeah. really yeah. expensive sort of stuff then have you, you played know, that's have, the way have you played the litigator patch on the helix no what is it so the chief one of the chief engineers of line six basically built the perfect boutique amp out of the ether of his mind it, uh, it, it he used it as a, he used a princeton platform uh, but he basically did things that you can't physically do in the physical world uh, and he created an amp that sounds it's it's kind of like the perfect dean DeLeo clarity but crunch sound it's kind of like a, right. a high watt meets a vox meets a princeton amp it, right. it just like it's kind of the only sound you need right. in my opinion yeah um he goes, you could technically make it physically, but it would be really, really hard. He goes, I built this digitally like a Frankenstein out of my mind. Wow. And uh, it's outstanding. Yeah. So if, if you have the Stomp or the Helix? Yeah, I had the, the Stomp XL and I used the, uh, the uh, HX effects. On, Look up yeah, the Litigator. Big rec board. Litigator, I'll text Litigator? it to you. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm two weeks of owning it, and I'm just now getting, yeah. getting, I'm, I'm kind of dumb when it comes to understanding right. those kind of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm a slow learning curve on yeah. that sort of stuff, but they made it so easy now. You just plug it into your laptop, and it's crazy. You can just save your favorites. Yeah, and then you it can just, just back to there buy someone's good idea and good sounds and go, thank you, yeah. sir. And yeah. put it into your thing and make yourself <laughs> sound great. Yeah. And the, you know, a lot of their overdrives and stuff like that are really good now. That's a, something I never really yeah. got into until this, the, the like, their Soldano, their Soldano patches are yeah. like impressive. You know, even yeah. 20 years ago, line six had some great stuff. I was like, yeah. these guys are, oh, they've always been great. Like yeah. the green pedal is the yes. standard. Still, everybody. still, really, you yeah, mean, tons of people still use that. Crazy. Yeah. It's funny. I, I'm, you know, we're talking and I'm, and I'm looking at our, we have a, basically a similar age group and came up at the same time. And, but it's funny, the world of music, it's kind of like street factions. It's like you're a jet or you're a shark, you're a pink lady or you're a T-bird or you're West side. I'm like, <laughs> we grew up at the same time, but it's very possible that you and I had very different experiences musically growing up in terms of what moved us, what motivated us, because you're, you, from what I understand, you're pretty blues centric. I cut my teeth on like, you know, I grew up on Motown, Prince, Michael Jackson, some musical theater, and then Smashing Pumpkins changed my life. Right. Uh, They were my band. But I wonder like, you know, great, you know, 1995, who was rocking your world at that time? Um, like when I when I first got into stuff, it was it was like Green Day, okay. um, you know the Nirvana thing was going on, the Unplugged. Everybody's kind of obsessed with that. Um, what else was I? I think it was pretty hardcore with that. My like my buddies that I were, I was playing with, they kind of wanted to do like Rush and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was kind of one of the only guitar players around, so I kind of had to just to you know, be playing in the bands and stuff like that. And then, uh, so I, I kind of done that and I, I, you know, listening to green day and I, and I figured it out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I kind of want, I was like, I want to, I want to do like solos and stuff like that. Like, how do you do that? Mm. You know, because I figured out power chords and I, you know, yeah, 
you're young and stupid. You're like, I figured it all out. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I've got all the chords down here. Yeah. I know bar chords. Uh, you know, next. And then uh, I was just like flipping through my dad's record collection and he had uh, Couldn't Stand the Weather, Steve Ray Vaughan. And the first song was uh, Scuttle Button. And it's like the most insane, fast riff that you'll ever hear in your life. And it, I was just like, so the lights went on there at that like, point. I didn't even know anybody could do that on no. a guitar, let alone like you know that sort of thing. Going from Green Day, right, to that. You're you off. Know? You're off planet at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Any other solo I'd kind of heard was just the melody yeah. with single notes, sort of thing. And I was like, oh, I got to learn how to do that. Wow. You know, and then then it was Steve Ray Vaughan, and I was an idiot, and like I just and then I was like, blues is the only music I ever listened to. <laughs> so so, t- so tell us, tell all the kids that uh, what it was like to not have YouTube and have to and have to uh, hunt for knowledge on how to play. Yeah, songs. How did how did you go about knowing that you were playing the notes right and that you were actually you know understanding the translation of what what a um, musician was doing? I, I I would I would hunt down like tab books and stuff like that if yeah. they existed. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I'd, I'd want to learn big sugar tunes, but there's no tab books for them sort of thing. No, Guitar World wasn't doing uh, no, they any, weren't doing any, any Gordy any, Johnson. No, exactly. No. So no. I, or, you know, Big Rec. I was in, into Big Rec at the time, too. And, you know, for that sort of stuff, it was almost impossible yeah. until, like, we would go see Big Sugar live, and I'm like, okay, that's where he is on that. Right, right. You know, just watch his hands intently and try to, figure it out i'm like well he was playing like open like how, how does that work yeah. like but good. And he's not hitting anything yeah but it sounded like a chord and then you know go back to my guitar teacher i'm like what is this right. What's <laughs> he doing? And, and good luck with trying to figure out ian thornley oh yeah yeah like, like forget it, it. Was, it's not it's not gonna happen it was <clears throat> that was impossible to me that was i was just you know you know listen to the oaf and I like what the hell is he doing? Yeah. I remember the first time I heard that song. I actually thought it was an old song from the seventies I had never heard before. I was getting ready to go to oh, hairdressing yeah. school. Oh wow, nineteen ninety seven, and I it was nineteen. Uh, it was uh, ninety seven seven hits FM. I was on in the morning. I was getting ready, and I'm like, "What is this track? What is this track?" And then they said the band name, and that it was a new release. And I was like, "What?" Right. Yeah, and that was it. I've seen them like ten times yeah. since. Um, so Stevie had an yes, was, indelible impact on you. Yeah. So then I, I just totally immersed myself in that. Anything like, you know, whatever I heard in interviews him mentioned. So it would be like, you know, Eric Clapton, Albert King, or really like Freddie King. Freddie King's a dude. I love Freddie King. Like he's probably my favorite out of the, yeah. out of the Kings. Not that there's anybody, any of them that are terrible. I, I loved the BB King stuff. And, uh, he, uh, Freddie King has this Albert mojo and this sound. Um, maybe I'm thinking Albert King. One of them. I think it might be Albert King, actually. Who's the one that plays... Is it Albert King that plays the telly with the humbucker? No, that's Albert Collins. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's Alberts. My street cred's falling down. Kings all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop. that was just like, you know, at the time, that was, that was all that was at the record store. Like, yeah. it, you know, it would be one row of yes. blues options. Yes. So, you Remember know. record stores? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, big where, time. Where was, your, where was your go-to record store? Uh, were you a music world guy? Were you a Sunset Records guy? Where were we, you? Well, we only had a few options. There was, a, I think, there was an HMV and a nice. Sam's in the mall. We had, and a, then there was another one downtown, I think, but I didn't go to that one. Oh my god, HMV! Yeah, I haven't heard I, when you said it. I saw the logo in my head. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was uh, so. 
you know, options were, yeah. you know, for me at the time as a young broke kid, even getting to the mall yeah. was a yeah. huge ordeal. Yeah. Depending on where you live, for sure. Having the, you know, 15, $20 and all like the blue stuff would be 20 bucks at the time. That's like, yeah, I was telling him about a fortune to me. Yes, I know. Time. 20 was like, well, okay, it's, a, it's one of those. It's the 20, the worst was like the $24 CD. I'm like, Oh, come yeah. on. No, can we, yeah. please let it be a 12 99. Yeah. I was telling my wife actually last night and was re- regaling my, reckless stupidity years of my life and how I was kicked out of the house living in my friend's grandmother's basement on her couch and I and I bombed 15 bucks off my aunt uh, and that was all I had and I went to Music World and bought Van, Van Halen one because I had to yeah, and like, I still have it today exactly, she's like I don't yeah. understand you I'm like I know but rock and roll though yeah, yeah. And, and I'll have that for life like, like we do yeah. it, it was such a a different way like if he didn't have the cd you weren't yeah gonna you weren't gonna get to it. it yeah so um you know i don't know if yeah, I've, I've mentioned this in other other interviews but you know I, I can distinctly remember those those songs that brought me to another world and and you know the smell in the room seemed to change everything just was transcendental um a day in the life by the beatles that was one of those examples where i was like oh yeah oh my god yeah i'm somewhere else this is crazy um you mentioned you know Stevie, what are what are some of the other albums that really got their teeth into you and shaped you? Um, my dad also had uh, Dire Straits' "Alchemy." Nice. That I listened to that a lot. I, he had the he had the tab for Sultans of Swing." Yep. Photocopied, <sighs> so it it literally went from one to the top of the bed to the bottom of the bed. Damn, twice. Really? So I I started on one and not being not playing it perfect right yeah <laughs> but you know trying to yeah you know jam along jam along jam along i can read tab i can't read notation but tab's fine anybody can do that so you know remember going down in the end going back like you're eating a cob of corn yeah exactly <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> cob of corn of music just mark knopfler going back and forth yeah I, I loved any of that mark knopfler stuff like right brothers and arms and yeah and that was kind of but you know i was so into blues like if it went away from the kind of one four five i was a little bit lost yeah you know what i mean like you know going to different chords than that and minors and majors i didn't really understand that unless i got taught the song and i'm like oh okay you know philip says yeah (laughs) yeah that guy yeah monster i remember it, it was about it was a few months before i actually moved to toronto and a couple of my friends we were look we were going to get a, a place because they needed another roommate and and I you know kind of exhausted the sort of Belleville scene for what I you know wanted to do and I wanted to you know step up and be around you know just move to the big city yeah. and, and give Bigger it a the go big give it a real go you know and yeah and we went to Grossman's and saw him and I was like damn these are the kind of guys that play around here. <laughs> you know? What year was that? What year was that? Uh, 2002, I think. So this is pre-Melissa Etheridge era? Yeah, he was still living here. I think by the time I had moved to Toronto, he had gone to L.A. Yeah. He had, he had made that jump. He's, uh, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, he's an alien. I don't need to tell you. Yeah, I don't need to tell you. He's uh, a <clears throat> sidebar. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is so. I mean, that was kind of what I wanted. You know, I wanted to come to Toronto and hear 
guys like that. And, yeah. You know, so take it. I love that you mentioned uh, Big Sugar. There, there were some moments in my life as a kid where I was kind of like the oddball. Like I remember in 1988, grade six, I, no adult, no kid, nobody I knew knew of this cat named Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. Much Music played a, a video of a song called I Build This Garden For Us. Uh-huh. That was it. I was hooked. Right. I was talking about Lenny Kravitz in grade six. I was like, who? Big Sugar. Big Sugar was one of those bands. I think yeah. it was 94, 93 maybe when they were, they were, I think they were still in Windsor. I don't know. Well, he's originally from the Prairies, but they did Please Let Me Sleep In Late. Yeah. And Dear Mr. Fantasy. Yeah. Traffic's cover. Oh. I'm like, who the hell that is this band? That was like a five song EP yeah. thing, right? The, 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 I think Sleep In Late was on the album before that. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I, uh, but aesthetically, nobody looked like Gordy then. Yeah. But the Hugo Boss. Yeah. Played the kind of guitars he was playing, having challenge, Hemi Challengers. Yeah. Just another alien that was just yeah way cooler than his contemporaries. Yeah. Double neck guitars. Yeah. And then the rest is history. Playing with his fingers with thumb picks and stuff like that. The bass player originally isn't wasn't he? He I came. Think he so. came, I think yeah. he came to, to guitar late. I think yeah. it was like a secondary thing that he he yeah. just kind of picked up, and then yeah. and nobody sounds like him. He definitely like he absolutely has a style, yeah, kind of all his own. But and his his if amp- you've ever picked up one of his guitars, that's the reason. Have like, you? Yeah, it's impossible. Like, what do you mean? The the strings are like fourteen to. <sighs> 58 or something like that it's insane that you could fit change for a dollar underneath the 12th fret he's playing a cello yeah essentially it's impossible to play it's impossible what a weirdo yeah but but his the the tone he gets it honks in a way i've never heard before yeah i mean i've tried to go for the bigger string thing and try to kind of emulate that i can't i play eights eights yeah that's a bit much for me it I've, is, been, it, I've been 11 to 52 my whole life, basically. And recently, I'm like, what am I doing to myself? And I just kind of, I've gone down to 11 to 59s and 10s on a strat. Okay, going, I love that down. you said that. I love that you relegated a gauge to a specific guitar. So yeah. a strat needs its own gauge. Yeah. Uh, my Gibsons, I play eights. Yeah. A telly wow. and a sh- Yeah. A tel- I mean, that, I don't need to. Uh-huh. I'm still playing with it. I think nine is where I'll always land. Yeah. But um, a telly and a strat for me sit really well with with nines and tens. Yeah. But um, I find tens are. I I I would just break strings. Yeah. Isn't it funny how many people just played elevens and tens all the time forever and ever and ever and then suddenly people are like, hey, I don't have to do this. I can do other things. Yeah. I I I, and I I've been there for so long that it's 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 taking a bit of an adjustment. I'd like to go down to tens on Les Paul as well, mm-hmm. but I, I tend to hit a little hard with the right hand. Mm, you're, yeah. And squeeze a little bit much with the left. Where's that come from? I think it's because I'd be up late and I couldn't plug into it. I love it. <laughs> I love you know it. What I mean, like I've jammed along to Steve Ray Vaughn live at the Elma combo with just a strat in my hand, not plugged into anything. And, isn't that amazing how the things that shape your sound? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, you know. 
That's incredible. The best and the worst thing that That's I ever did for myself. Very, very cool. <laughs> because it's it's biting me right now. You know, right. learning some of these the big rec stuff has been like, you know, Ian's pretty on me for like, you, you know, you're out of tune because you're squeezing so hard and you're hitting so hard with your right hands. Like, ease up. Like he catches that. Up. Oh, he hears everything. He's the composer. He hears eh? everything. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We got we got we got to <laughs> land there. Um, it's all good. In a good in yeah. A great yeah. Way. Do you ever find uh, how old is Ian Thornley? Is he is he like ten? You got ten years on us. Uh, he he just 50s? turned fifty. Yeah. Okay. I hope he doesn't mind that I said. When did we get to the place where we started talking about contemporaries and age groups that yeah. were in our mid forties? Like, well, I'm yeah. older than you, but in a couple <laughs> years. Anyway, I just can't believe I, if anybody younger is listening to this. I just can't believe how it doesn't feel like it. You know, like when yeah. I looked at my parents when they were 40, I thought they were ancient. Yeah. And Oh, mom, you're halfway to 80. Like, oh, my God. And now you're here, and it's like, I feel the same. same. I know. Weren't the 90s like a, a minute ago? Yeah. You know, boy, a little sore after hockey, but. Yeah. <laughs> so I got 11 years on my wife, so I'll be like, oh, I remember when this album came out. She's like, I was in grade one. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you ever find, as a player, you're influenced and you have nuanced playing moments from a, from a musician that you would never really say was an idol of yours, but there was that moment in that song that you liked and it stuck with you. Like for me, there's little flourishes that I'll do as a player that belong to minute 140 first minute and 45 seconds into track four on that album Mm -hmm. but it was like but he wasn't like a major influence on me but that part he did was and it stuck with me do you have any of those what was yours okay so the pumpkins put out a box set of b-sides and corgan and his father william senior who's a jazz guy in chicago um hopped on a track called last song and the dad has this jazz tone, the jazz tone, but his vibrato is so delicious and distinct and deep uh, and perfect that at the right tempo and the right song and the right key, mm. I emulate that. Right. Um, Jerry Cantrell was a huge influence on me, but there's some stuff off Jar of Flies that it's not my biggest album, but that, that moment, like I, I, I have to attack that string that way. Yeah. It's weird, but it's, it's those imposter moments where it's like, I didn't really like that guy, but I love that moment. Yeah. So do you have anything like that? Uh, yeah. I think I, I know I, I use the lick all the time. It's kind of like my, one of my pet licks, which, you know, you kind of fall back on when you're, the last refuge of the uninspired, as a buddy of mine says. But uh, it just kind of comes out all the time because it seems to fit everywhere, but slash in uh, Lenny Kravitz's... Oh, uh, always on the run. Always on the run. Come yeah. on. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. It's like, I use that all the time. All the time. Why the and hell? And I don't even think like I've ever learned that solo verbatim or anything like that, but like that lick is just like... I'll tell you I'm what. I'm sure it's it's standard. Like uh, lots of people use it all over the place all the time. But that's where I was like, well, "What is that?" Top five favorite solo of all time for me. It's pretty great. It's his tone, the opening riff, like just yeah. slash just was everything for me. 
Um, yeah, I know he he was never. I like I never really got crazy into Guns <clears throat> N' Roses, but like, I kind of loved his solos. You, you know, you can sing his solos, which is I've always been a big fan of. And he was stoned most of them. Yeah, like, like I don't rem- I don't, I don't remember, remember the solo that. to November Rain. Yeah, I was stoned. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. I know what you're playing in November Rain. Yeah. How the hell did yeah. you do that? Uh, yeah, you know, you know, also those guys, yeah. you know, had months and months and months That's to true. make yeah. one song. Very and, true. Very you know, true. People are pretty good at recording stuff. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Okay, man, I have I have I have a lot of questions. I'm, I'm geeking out a little bit right now. It's it's nice talking to a player that uh, you know. So I'm a chef, and you know I I do the restaurant thing, but I, I still say music. I'm a musician first. Yeah. Um, so geeking out with a with the players is pretty awesome. Um, so <clears throat> blues. Uh-huh. Colin James is a cat. Oh yeah. He's awesome. I've been watching him since I was, uh, since probably 93. Mm-hmm. He's had an awesome career. Yeah. Um, and I loved watching him at Hamilton Place. I had fun watching him. I oh, believed yeah. him that he was, he and the band were having a great time. Yeah. And that gold top P90 Les Paul that he opened the set with. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is that, my my dad gave me his, his I call it his midlife crisis because I bought it when he was forty. Okay, and uh, he he gave it to me. It's an eighty eight gold top Les Paul with uh, two beautiful, just like Collins, and beautiful. I love that guitar, and I'd love to have it on the road. But Colin got that guitar, and I can't take it out anymore. Right, right. It's like too matchy matchy. Yeah, you can't do it. So beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Does the guitar play and sound as good as I assume it would? It's awesome. It's yeah. it's heavy. It's got a smaller neck, but I kind of learned on it. I prefer bigger necks on a guitar, but like it's it's just cozy. And it I, wins every time. Like if I bring right, it to the right. studio, it's like yeah, that's the one. Come on, pick that one up again. I got a 1990 Les Paul standard, um, best Les Paul I've ever played. Yeah, uh, that's the end of my story. Really, I mean, yeah. it's just it's just it's just. Uh, uh, I, I always, I, I, for years, I thought it was a 94. I don't know why. And then I'm just reminding myself, hey, I need to look at the back of the headstock and count the first number and the fifth number. And I was like, oh, this is a 90. Um, uh. Dude, like <laughs> when we would play clubs in Toronto, like I'd have sound guys come out to me and go, that's a great yeah. guitar. Right. And so now it's like, it's that conundrum of, I love this guitar, but it's old now. I don't want to play it out anymore. Uh, if you know what, I'm not worried about it getting hurt. I'm afraid of getting stolen. Really? Are they getting that? I don't know. The 90s standards? Are they what? Are they getting like, like crazy I mean, in price or anything? It's just, like it's, it's a 30 plus year old guitar. I'm just, I'm just thinking about. So weird. I still think like 1990s, 10 years ago. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I guess so. Cause we didn't, you know. Yeah. You know, when we were. In 1990, that's a 1960. We were so lucky to have such great music then. Yeah. Yeah, there was a ton of stuff. It was so cool because there was so many different things. So many different things. You know, it was, yeah. it was the rare occasion when my discography was broken into, into thirds, and it was, a, it was a happy ratio. It uh, was British music, Britpop, and British rock, uh, Canadian music, 
that was that cut the mustard with all of them in America. Yeah. yeah. And like every province in the '90s had a band that was repping. Yeah. Canada in an amazing way. I can you yeah. name me a province on the EMEA band. Like it it yeah. it was really special time. Totally. Saskatchewan. <clears throat> the blue the new meanies. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah, man. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, you thought you were gonna get me, but I, I was ready for you. New Brunswick, let's go. Oh, you know what? I don't think I have one. Really? No. There's gotta be one. Somebody will write into New Brunswick. Brunswick. Good good on you. Were the inbreds from New Brunswick? I don't even know who they are. I'm sorry. See, I was kidding. I mean, you started it. I so. was sounding arrogant. And I, you, you, freaking, you showed me. Um, it's funny, though. The, the, the prairies of Canada. What is it with the prairies of Canada and blues? Widemouth Mason? Gordy? Colin. Colin? Uh, it's a thing. Yeah, it's weird how... I think, actually, there was, a, there was a big, like, sort of blues scene in the 80s where promoters were bringing like older blues acts up into that, you know, from the States, just up into like Winnipeg. Right. It's kind of like lower mainland Canada. So middle America into. Yeah. Yeah. And they just like kind of come up in uh, in a part of a tour and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm sure that's kind of why it happened. Landreth Brothers. Amazing. Another. Joey's unbelievable. Another. uh, Actually, I I saw a post where you were, I think you were playing an event with him. You were were joking, like when it comes to slide, when Joey's in town. Yeah. Let him play. I'm not touching a slide. He's, uh, yeah. I love his voice too. His vibrato vibrato is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's really great. Great band. Kind of in any, every way. Yeah. Yeah. I got, luckily we were doing uh, the first Thursday of the month at the Orbit Room in Toronto and and we just, Jesse and I, Jesse O'Brien would, you know, be the only Hamilton guys cat. that were there yeah yeah and uh you know we just put a rhythm section together like because we're all we're all pros and we play with different artists and stuff like that and we see each other out yeah. you know at festivals and it's like hey davide that must be cool eh yeah and yeah you, you know see you see a great player but you never really get to play with them you right know? and not in like a you know not in a wedding band sort of situation <laughs> just like you know we call them up and be you know some guys would it's kind of funny that they get kind of freaked out. They're like, what, what, what are we going to do? And we're like, nothing. Just don't just show up. Right. We'll oh. call some keys. It's like playing shinny. Yeah. You know, we're That's just, cool. We're just going to show up and play. And, you know, so we got him for a good, I would say at least five or six of these, these right things. And we had him and, you know, whatever rhythm section happened to be there that day. And you Jesse, know, he really embraced it. He was just yeah, like, yeah, cool. cool. Jesse O'Brien's everywhere. Yeah. He's everywhere. Yeah. Unbelievable. He's the best. Man. Uh, I remember watching him in like 99 on Hess, in Hess Village. And I'm like, even then the guy was freaking like phenomenal. Yeah. Like who is the, He's who's really special. Like, yeah. And, you know, if you. He was. Yeah. I reached out to him. Blues band, yeah, like, yeah. I reached out to him to come on the show, but he's like, I'm really busy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, he doesn't do stuff like that. Yeah. But. Um, he's just a shy guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, I had a question for you, and I'm damn it, I it's it's lost on me. Well, let's jump let's jump to the moment where you got you kind of got called up to the to the majors a little bit, and Mr. Colin James tapped you for joining the band. How did that all shake out? Um, well, we had had that uh, that gig at the Orbit Room, just doing blues sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. we had done that f- for a while. And Al Webster would come and play sometimes, and he played in a couple other different things that. I'd play with and he played with Colin. He's kind of off and on all the time. And nobody ever really leaves that sort of camp really. Right. And, uh, I guess Colin was just kind of, 
uh, Craig Northey was playing with him, and he had just gotten the gig doing uh, Corner Gas, uh-huh. like doing the soundtrack for that. So he was, he was kind of busy and just wanted to get off the road. And Colin called and asked, and he was like, do you know any guys? And he's like, I've got the perfect guy for you. And Al Webster is kind of a character. He's a great dude. And uh, so he's like, okay. And then the next thing you know, I get a call from their management, and they're like, uh, we got this gig end of September or end of October. It was just before my 20s, just before my 30th birthday, I think maybe 29th birthday. And then, uh, so they're like, we got this gig in Barrie. Can you do it? It's with Colin, Colin James. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And, What's that was, feel like? Really cool and terrifying at the same time, I guess. And you, and you did it before 30. That's a big deal, I did man. it before 30. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I was like, oh, this is awesome. I would love it. it just uh, let me know what when rehearsals are and, uh, you know, what the set list is so I can get right. uh, songs. And I just hear laughing on the other end of the phone. And they're like, ah, well, there's going to be no rehearsal for sure. Really? We'll be lucky if there's going to be a sound, sound check, check even that day. And we'll do our best to get you a set list. Why? I guess he just he's just kind of used to just calling out tunes and everybody kind of knows them. So <laughs> that's hell on wheels, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, the the uh, tour manager at the time he he called me up and he's like, okay, I, like I kind of know what he does. I'll send a list to him and see if he sends something back so that you can at least learn some stuff. And oh man, otherwise, you know, it's just kind of shooting in the dark. Oh man. And uh, so uh, I got a list of like sixty songs. <sighs> And luckily, I, I think it was like six weeks away from the gig okay. or something like that. So okay. I was like, you know, I had lots of time to prepare. So I was, I was into it, too. I was like... Ten songs a week? Yeah. And it's no guarantee. This is just for one gig. You know, like, it's not like, you know, you're going to be the new guy or anything like that. It's just a, basically a tryout. Right. You know, an audition live on stage sort of thing. So how'd it go? Uh, so I, I, yeah, I learned those 60 songs. My God. We get there. Uh, no sound check. I met him in the van on the way to the gig and i'm sitting like two rows back and he's like he gets into the front of the van he's like oh you're chris oh nice to meet you man wow he's like do you sing and i'm like yeah yeah i think so and then uh he starts breaking into a song like this is one of his songs he's like swing you know like trying to do it like do the harmony that i thought was there sort of thing and did that and he just kind of stops and he's like okay man cool wow And then uh, we get the set list like literally five minutes before we go on. And it's like 10 songs and three of those songs weren't on the list. Oh my God. But I, they were like kind of hits. It was like, okay. Five long years. I was like to that. uh, Why'd you lie? And something else that was like, yeah, yeah. was, I think it was, that might've been on the list, but. Wow. So, yeah, and then the next thing you know, we're on stage, and I'm, you know. What was your terror level out of 10? Uh, or did I it, don't remember being all that nervous, but, and I don't know why. So my question was, is, is, he, is he the kind of guy that just can kind of um, chill out a crew and because he's just vivacious and warm and, like, chill? Did that help, like, uh, set the tone or, or what? It was definitely a laid back kind of atmosphere backstage. And, you know, nobody was like kind of freaking out or anything. I was, I was definitely, I know I was 
nervous, but I, I knew I was prepared. But what, I only really get nervous if I'm not prepared. Right. But the fact that you didn't, you weren't able to like play with that, with your amp on that stage with the monitors, like no. it, did it work? Yeah. Well, I had to. <laughs> you know, yeah, I've kind of, I've, I've always kind of built my board, especially for that. And like, and for cover stuff that I can plug into any right. clean amp right. and I'll, I'll be pretty good. Yeah. I'll get through anyway. It may not be ideal. Yeah. But like, you know, 90% of the time when you're, you're touring Canada, you're not touring with an amp. You're never going right. to ever going to have your right. own amp. Right. Pretty much ever. Yeah. Uh, so you just uh, like my thing has always been like, make sure I can plug into a deluxe or a you know basement. I yeah. just find basements are available. Uh, plugging a deluxe head into a four twelve cabinet is pretty great too. Yeah, so this stuff like that. So I know certain amps are yeah. always available. So I'll just take the guesswork out of certain things. Yeah, out of out of a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing the, the the harrowing tale of Gilby Clark getting the getting the call for Guns N' Roses, and I think he had a weekend to learn like a hundred songs, and then oh, he was wow. then he was on tour for Use Your Illusion. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think it wasn't Phil X. He like he had to learn the songs on a flight. Bon Jovi playing, yeah, <laughs> and like the next day. That's another alien. Yeah, another Canadian boy. Yeah, good Canadian boys. I had, I had no idea he was in Frozen Ghost. I didn't know that either. His video, their their hit, their big hit. Um, he's there in the background, like, and this was like 1993. Yeah, I'm like, this guy's been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. Orbit Room. Alex Lifeson, does he own that? He did. Yeah, he it's, did. He doesn't anymore. Um, he kind of got out a few years ago. Okay, but uh, yeah, he was definitely uh, an owner there in the early part. So, what year was? That first gig with Colin James, did you tell me? That was, I think it was 2009. And you've been playing yeah. with him yeah, it was ever since, other than the last few years where you've been with Big Rick. Yeah. But I still, I still do. I'm going to be on his next tour at the end of September, too. What does it feel like knowing you've got gigs lined up? Um, I feel pretty lucky, really. I mean... Yeah, I've I've been very fortunate that these opportunities have kind of come up and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you know, 90% of the time I it's not like I'm knocking on right. you know, Colin's management door and it's like, "Hey, I'm a guitar player. Right, I'm right, ready to play right. whenever you guys need me." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, here, don't forget me. It's just a random call of and yeah. it's just like, yeah, a friend of a friend. It's all you who know, you know. Sometimes not even a friend per se. You've got to be good and you've got to be prepared. Yeah. But there's also an element of knowing people networking yeah. and relationships and, yeah. but, but also having the goods when you get tapped to do it. That's, yeah. but that's, that's a, that's a good old fashioned thing. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, maybe you're not playing with these guys 24, seven, 365 days a year, but it's clear that you've reached that point in your career and that level where you're now known that you're Chris Cadell. You're, you're like, a solid player and you're a great guy to tap to play. Oh, that's cool. But I mean like that's, but that's, that's, um, that's a thing. You've, you've, you've arrived to a certain level where it's like, okay, now you've got a resume and you know, there's a good chance people are going to want to play with you. Like that's, that's a huge, huge win. That's a huge success. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been, 
I've been pretty fortunate with that. I, I've, my, my motto has always kind of been show up on time mm -hmm. in a good mood and prepared mm. in that order. <laughs> be a nice guy. Yes. But, you know, I'd say all three are just as important to be on the top. Yeah. You, know, you, you have to like being on time, even though I was late today. I'm sorry. Toronto. Dude, traffic. you were late because of me. Toronto traffic. Don't worry about it. Uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're approaching an hour. How are you doing for time, brother? I'm totally fine. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah, Need some more pad thai? Um, no, I'm good. I'm going to say that. I'm you might be the first person to eat now. inside a microphone. Um, <laughs> sorry, I cut you off. Uh, but no, yeah, good work, good work ethic and, and being likable is pretty. Yeah. I mean, I, in a lot of the time it is the hand, you know, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm sure that's kind of the main reason I got the big rec gig right on. because Ian and I have been friends for a long time. Where did you guys meet? We met at the orbit room. Really? Yeah, yeah we were, I was playing with uh, Eric Paul and Tava Stanley, who were in Thornley at the time. So we played there every Sunday. The band called Stifler's Mom, and we uh, <laughs> and you know we had a lot of fun. And he would he just kind of come down on Sundays, and we I think we uh, the first time we met, we were making fun of Vince Carter because he was always fake and being injured all the time just to like get out of playing. <laughs> so we just riffed on that and. You know, we, we just kind of, whenever we saw each other, we'd get together and laugh and, awesome. you know, talk about music and guitars and pedals and, you know. So tell me about know, whatever when, when Big Rec called, what was that like and how did that happen? Uh, it was early 2019. I think it was around February. It was just before I was going on the road with Colin uh, for across Canada sort of thing, about two months. And, uh, he invited me to a, a restaurant and we were just kind of hanging out and he's like, he's like, Brian's not well, he's not going to be able to do the tour. Would you be able to, you know, fill in for it? And hopefully he's going to bounce back and, and be ready. And I was like, well, of course, like, you know, buddies and, you know, they don't want a stranger kind of coming in at, in that kind of environment sort of thing. So Brian was dealing with cancer. Yeah, right. yeah, he was he was getting pretty bad then, and uh, but you know there was still hope, so they were they, you know everybody was hoping that yeah. he'd just kind of you know beat it and come back, but uh, unfortunately that mm. didn't happen. So midsummer he passed, and then we went on tour, and it was a long tour, like September till December. Wow, we were pretty much gone. Like we rehearsed for a good three weeks and then we were gone at the end of September right until I think when we got back in November it was like sort of weekend stuff around Ontario and that was kind of how we we did it and you know a few weeks you know about a month or so in it was feeling pretty good Ian's like why don't you just join the band <laughs> and I was like oh man <laughs> how did he uh did he meant did he did he basically invite you casually like that like just in passing or was there like a moment where because I always wonder I how these things you know, shake out. you know actually I think we were playing catch outside the bus somewhere in the middle of America somewhere because we bought baseball gloves and it was something to do on a day off and you know we had a few drinks wow and he was just kind of like no you you got to do this and I was like you know I, I had a great thing going you know i've been playing with colin is awesome that's a big gig and so it's was that a hard for you gig was oh bittersweet sure. yeah 
but on the on the other hand, you know, I've, I've played with Colin for a long time, and I, I kind of felt like I needed a new challenge almost. Well, for those Which is not to say that playing with Colin isn't a challenge because I, I've, I've learned a ton of stuff off of him, mm-hmm. you know, and that's been 12, 13 years of playing with him and, you know, learning things that have shaped me as a guitar player and a musician yeah. big time. But did, did you uh, have to break up with Colin or did, did it work somewhat, out with, yeah, yeah. Mm. you know, which is tough because it's been a long time and I, you know, it always sucks replacing somebody in a band that, you know, we we're going pretty tight. But How do you take it? I think well. I mean, we're still friends. You're still, I mean, you're I'm coming back. You're still going to play with them. That's great. Oh, of course. I, I don't think I'd ever say no if, if I if I'm available. I wouldn't just yeah. be like, nah. Well, to the uninitiated who may not know about Big Rec or Ian Thornley, these are these are ex Berkeley guys, and uh, Ian Thornley is easily one of the best guitarists in in the world. Yeah. Um, he can sing. He can play slide. He can play lead. The guy writes. He produces. He, it's. Uh, yeah. The 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 fact, I don't know of a bigger testimony to who you are as a player and as a musician, the, other than the fact that you've been tapped to play with Big Rack. Like that's a big deal. It it's definitely been it, it the biggest challenge of my musical career. Can you talk sure. about that? Because um, people, so yeah. Before you launch on that, I mean, I just even for me, you know, who I've I've been a student of music my whole life and. I think we underestimate <clears throat> you see a guy join a band is like, Oh yeah, that's it. He made it, but oh, you don't, you, it's like kind of <laughs> like getting your black belt and then you start all over again right. uh, for yeah. some, for some people. So like, that's a great way to put it. What, what did you learn about yourself? What were the challenges? Like what, what's it like playing with Ian Thornley? Oh, uh, well it's, it's totally a different world than, anything else I've really done, you know, like uh, trying to get the tones down was a big thing. Can you explain? So explain that. Um, well, it's like, you know, for my whole life, I've just kind of used pedals for distortion and stuff like that. And it's, it's worked fine for the, the bar gigs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you, when you get into that kind of volume and there's like hundred watt heads into four twelve cabinets, you know, he's got three of those on stage. So I had to have at least two or else I'm just going to be kind of like rinky dink over on the other side. And he, you know, he wants to, you know, when he stops playing, he wants essentially his tone to be playing or like an equal right. sort of like heavy sort right. of big, good tone going on. So getting into like amp distortions and, you know, controlling that was a big one, you know, especially for tight wow, sort of stuff. Like, I found myself a lot trying to tighten up my right hand. Like I've started using these like sharper picks, like the Dunlop flow picks, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to really hone in on being really tight and precise, you know, using metronome. So in your forties, yeah, late thirties, yeah, you're relearning an element of your playing to play uh, with this band. Almost all the elements. <laughs> wow. So, really, yeah. so did, were you, were you kind of like left to your own, uh, resources to try to figure out how to accomplish those tones or did he help you with that? Oh, did his, no, did his no, tech? Yeah, no, he's been really great with that sort of thing. Okay. Like, it, and he had me on, on his sort of, uh, 
heads and stuff like that and you know let me borrow guitars because like i i never really use that high gain stuff and i don't i never i didn't really have a guitar with humbuckers in it at the right. time and you just can't right. get away with not having humbuckers that kind of volume it's like right no it's just not gonna it's happen. not gonna happen so did you have to like invest in guitars to be um, a part of the luckily, team well luckily he you know he lent me he's got a, a bunch of guitars kicking around so he lent me a, a bunch of things he lent me a sewer that i made him sell me after is that his offset uh signature model um it I think the one that I have was like one of the pre models that he nice. had. Like a piece of history testing right out there. like neck shapes and stuff cool. like that. And it's kind of a parts sewer. That's that's cool. It's awesome. I that's love cool. that guitar. It's amazing. What color is it? I remember it's black with a maple neck. Is it a strat body or is it yeah. like the opposite? Okay. Yeah. Um, Damn. Yeah, so he, he lent me that and there's this Yamaha kind of SG sort of thing that, that he's lent me for a bunch of stuff. Like I need a lot of guitars for that gig too. So, Damn. so I, there's now finally there's, I think four out of six are mine. So you've caught up catching up. That's crazy, yeah. man. Yeah, I made him sell me another Les Paul too. That <clears throat> he let me for a tour and I'm like, come on, just, <laughs> cause you know, it's, it he's feels got weird when he's like, he's not just borrowing. I'm like, no, it's not the same. I want to take it to yeah. the Orbit room. And you know, I want to spill beer on it. I, want, I just want it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want it around the house. Is it a custom or is it like a standard? It's an R8 custom. Okay. Shop. Yeah, it's amazing. It's stupid. So, what kind of heads are you playing through to, to get that big rack power and, and w velocity I out use of your the EVH? Uh, 100 really? Watts, 100 watts, yeah. Really? They're amazing. Wait, is, it, is that what he's using? No, he has all sewer stuff. So, he's got the sewer pre T 100s. How did Sewer hook up with with a Canadian cat? I think uh, John Sewer has just been a fan. And nice. Somehow contacted him and well, Pete Thorne has they got along Sewer like, right away. Right yeah, on. maybe you got to know him through Pete or something like that. But what was the yeah. okay? So wow, I remember going to his house. This was a few years before. He lives in Toronto, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he lived kind of down the street from me. And uh, he's like, "Hey, come on by. Let's uh, let's hang out." So I, we went to the Fox and Fiddle or whatever, and you know, had some food or whatever. And he's like, "Come on over the place and check out some of these guitars." And just like, just an onslaught of like, it's like he's pulling it from behind the oh, couch. Dude, yeah, I've he's seen, like, I've seen this it. one. Oh, and like, you know, and then like you don't even see them when you walk in, but they just kind of appeared. And then he's like, "This and try this one." And wow, like, oh, that one. And I'm just like, I think I must have tried about ten different sewer things and he's like and they're like kind of he called he was calling them mules where they're like you know just no paint or finish on them it's just kind of like for a neck shape sort of to see because he was building the actual neck shape for so they probably just sent him a, a ton of iterations yeah and he just kept oh yeah. man so they'd send him like a new neck shape here and there wow and they could save it and you know, wow. technology is insane on that sort of stuff so yeah it's pretty neat how long did it take you to stop feeling like you're Ian Thornley you're Ian Thornley. I'm in big rack. I'm in big rack. Like when did it just become, you know, uh, you know. I don't know if that really ever leaves, uh, it, you know, when we, when we break into, you know, that song <laughs> and like get to the chorus of blowing wide open, you look out. Oh my like God. Losing it. I don't It doesn't really, it doesn't get normal. Dude. I saw them. Same with Colin though. Like, yeah. you know, when doing into the mystic or. Is Colin still playing with the drummer from the odds? Pat comes around every once in a while. Because he yeah. did the little big band with Colin. 
Uh, uh, like that was more mid, mid, Al, mid, actually. Wait, Al Webster. Was it? I well, so. he played the Aqua Fest in Hamilton in 1997, and it, the dude from yeah. the Odds was playing piano or drum for him. So I just assumed yeah. that he was the guy. Sure. Okay, maybe not. He, he was. He was in my first tour with <clears throat> with Colin. Okay. Yeah. Right on. That's yeah, got named Jeff Hicks now. He's really amazing. Left left-handed drummer. Really. Out uh, from out uh, in Vancouver, and he's kind of a. I mean, there hasn't been a bad drummer in Colin's camp ever. But uh, Jeff's really great. He's he's kind of got everything, you know. He can really swing. He rocks hard, and and like kind of the, you know, the sort of, I want to say sort of like Americana, sort of stuff. Like he's really cool at painting a yeah drum picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So Ian Thornley's known for his alternate tunings. So how many guitars do you have to have at the ready in different setups in terms of? The tuning scenario. <clears throat> um, I have six on the rack. Jeez. And then sometimes one more off the rack that's just kind of hanging out there, or which would ends up being the one in my hand while we're on stage. Do you have your own tech, or is there one tech for two of you? Yeah, I have my own, my own tech. Matt Barber. Stage right. He's <laughs> been <laughs> uh, with me for, for the last... At least it's uh, March or so, and then uh, yeah, and and a bunch of the guitars do multiple tunings. So it's it would be impossible to spend time with someone like Ian Thornley and not come away with something, and that's an understatement, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. Um, what are some of the takeaways? The obvious takeaways that you've you've gleaned you've gleaned from that kind of guy. Um. You know what? Let's do this. Do this in two parts. What was the first lesson you learned from him, and and then follow that up with other said lessons? What? what? The one thing that really kind of changed uh, how I approach guitar, even, it was just doing a metronome thing. So set it up kind of slow, and then just do like. Do 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 down up 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 and do it with like high gain. So do it kind of muted and get it till it's like really, really tight. Do it for two minutes. Go up five BPM. Do it again. Why is that? Is that because of the nature of the big rec songs, or is that because you know that's gonna make you an even tighter player? Or both? Well, that's kind of when I realized doing boring crap like that really works overall. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it'll help you in ways and in styles that you don't even think about. Can you expand on that a bit more? Cause there's, you know, for that one player that may listen to this, like yeah. this, this is gold, man. Like, so talk more, a little bit more about that, like the boring stuff. So yeah, like that, and that's stuff that I never really did before. Like I, I would never sit around with the metronome. I was, I was fine with playing with one, but I never really sat around and did drills like that. Right. Cause blues has its own inherent time, its yeah. own thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's its own rodeo. Yeah. Right. So, and I always kind of feared the metronome. It's like, I don't play with the metronome. It ruins the feel of everything. And, right. You know, I've really grown to, once you once you get into it and it gets into your brain and stuff like that, it's a, a great help. You know, yeah. like we have click going on yeah. in our ears the whole time. Yeah. And I don't even notice it most. Yeah, it's just 
but it's just such a great tempo to have. And, you know, that helps you out everywhere. You, you know, think like when you're doing those uh, little, little things and then you get to like a really fast one, you know, you get up to like, and like, so you're fine motor control. Yeah, you're fine motor control. Yeah. Wow. So you're, you know, and that helps you in other things and, you know, doing like a couple other little things that, you know, same sort of stupid drill. Mm-hmm. Hard to explain without being on video or something like that. But like, so did Ian Thornley? Was this prescribed by him, or was this something that you just essentially? Knew? Yeah, like yeah. he was. He was kind of like, okay, try this, and you know, I'd go home and do it. You know, because you know, I take take this very seriously. You know, I really Absolutely. don't. I don't want to. Don't want to let anybody down. Yeah. Really, especially you know, a buddy and you know, Dave and you know, Chuck at the time or Seku. I don't want to. I don't want to be the one messing up or I don't want to be a hindrance on anything. I don't yeah. want, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, we, we're not doing something because I can't play right. it. You know what I mean? Like, so is his, is his work ethics off the, off the charts? Oh yeah. Like he's playing all the time. All, all the time. I'm and, not that way. And you're a better player now because of your time with him. I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had to do a bunch of different things and, you know, I, and I'm researching more theory stuff now because, right. you know, him and Dave get into these like weird theory talks and I'm just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? And I, you know what? I really want to kind of know, right? you know, but I'm still, I'm still way behind what they, know. you know, like, that's a Humber guy and a Berkeley guy that, right. you know, really immersed themselves in that. Did you feel like you were swimming with sharks when you joined the band or did you feel pretty good with what you were equipped with when you started out on that road with them? Um, well, I mean, luckily we had like, uh, three weeks of rehearsal before because, uh, you know, I had done as much rehearsing as I could do and, you know, playing, uh, Ian was great. I'd go over to his house and, and I'd be like, Oh, I'm struggling with this. What mm. is this? What's this tuning? Like he'd give me all that sort of, at least the groundwork of stuff. And then I'd go home and try to, you know, figure it out and at, get it tight. At what point yeah. do you go, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't want to look stupid or like I'm not trying hard enough. But <laughs> like, at what point do you go, okay, I, now I need, I need to ask him like, what, what, how did you do, how did you decipher like when it was time to pull that, press that button and go, Ian, I need help. Um, like I would do that before. Okay. Like we would, before we kind of went in and I had a lot of time, as well, like uh, like I said, we we met in February, and he had sent me the new record by March, and I think it wasn't even released until August or something like that. So I, I had a lot of time to learn the new record, and I'd learned some of the other stuff because I'd played in Thornley before. You did? I, I did a right couple on. of gigs, yeah. and uh, so it wasn't all foreign to me, and getting used to the tunings and stuff like that, it was yeah. I, I was a little more familiar with. There's a few songs that I'm, you know, uh, Albatross, he plays in a, a weird C tuning that I have no idea. Like, and I'm just like, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to, I'll be campfire guy. I figured it out just kind of standard half step. You know, I think it sounds fine. I think it sounds good. You know, he's doing all the hard stuff anyway. So, you know, do you feel, uh, you know, maybe I'm reaching here, but the fact that, you know, with the passing of Brian and Brian has, has been, <clears throat> been there since the beginning um do you feel any kind of what kind of gravity do you feel in terms of stepping into that legacy 
position. You know, that's something he established. Well-worn part of the stage where he stood uh, and did his thing. How much, how much, how cognizant are you of that, that you're, you're, you're basically replacing Brian and, and yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy to think about. I don't, I don't like to think about it much, but right. it's definitely, you know, online people say things, mm. <laughs> stuff like that. But I, you know, I, I'm just trying to do the best I can. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't ask for this really. Yeah. But, you know, to hell if I'm not going to take it. If Absolutely. Ian, Ian Thornley comes up and says, I want you to be in Big Rec. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Michael Jordan That's, asked you to play. Uh, yeah. Play for the Bulls. Yeah. You, you suit up. Well, let me think you about know? that. <laughs> you know. And people give you shit online? Yeah. They, you freaking bastards. A, it's just like fan groups are, you know, God bless them. They're great. But, yeah. you know, there's always somebody who's just like, well, it doesn't sound the same. Was Brian American? Yeah. Do you know the story of, of, of Thornley, uh, Ian Thornley's story at Berkeley? Because I, I, I read this in Guitar World like in 1999. Do you, you, know oh, really? you know what happened to him? He played guitar so often and so loudly that they kicked him out of his dorm room. He may, he, maybe this, he may have to ask him if this is true, but they basically ended up putting him in, uh, situating him in like the boiler room oh, because really? he played so loud so much at the time. And I think that the first big wreck bass drum was the marching it was a marching band drum from berkeley's uh oh yeah yeah oh that makes sense yeah i, that, <laughs> I haven't heard that story i'm pretty sure that's that's, that's what i read what i would have i had all those guitar worlds I, I never saw a big wreck in it it was like it was in the whammy bar section like the the small oh, really? incidental <laughs> you know the first five pages right yeah, 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 yeah it was like yeah. the little minor shout outs <laughs> yeah um guitar world that wasn't that yeah. wasn't that such a special when the new guitar awesome. world came out, that was the only way you could learn tunes back Absolutely. then. Absolutely, other, other than learning them on your own. Any standout? I'm kind of thankful for. Yes. Right? Any standout episode or ep- issues of Guitar World? Was like, oh, this is a special one. Uh, Ones that you still have, maybe. I still have all of them. They're in my aunt's basement. I love it. God bless her heart. I love it. But uh, unless she's throwing them out by now, I, I haven't looked at them in years and years. It's so stupid to keep them, but. That's like a Sports Illustrated thing for a sports kid. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, this is how, you, or at least it was for me. It's mm-hmm. like, this is, this is how you stay current. This is, it gives you, keeps, keeps your ear to the ground. Because there was no internet. Yeah. When we, it was like, that was. That was it. That, that, was, was, it. that was how you learn songs. And I'd say the, and like my first thing was like, after, after I had discovered that I had learned all the Green Day tunes and I was like, okay, I want to, you know, kind of step up my guitar game sort of thing. And I, <laughs> Not that this is like a real step up, but I, I learned the solo from uh, Buddy Holly, Weezer's nice. Buddy Holly. Nice. And I went in for my first lesson with this guitar, this local guitar teacher, Tim Campbell, who was awesome. And he was kind of hard to get into. You, know, you had to kind of prove your worth almost huh. sort of thing. Okay. Not in a crazy way or anything, but like, so I went in for my first lesson. He's like, oh, what do you know? And I'm like, played a couple of things and I played the solo from him. And he's like, Okay, nice. this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He's like, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, well, I read it in Guitar World. Huh. But you could tell with your, with your inflections and your tone and your... Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I did kind of get it. Like, yeah. I kind of, you know, figured it all out. Weezer was one of those bands that at, at first glance, they seem silly, but they're highly intelligent and they're very good players. And Rick Okasek, yeah. who produced that Blue album, uh, it was a work of art. Yeah. You know, he, he engineered yeah, that, that in a way that it was designed to sound great really loud. 
Right. So they did it like how they did vinyl back in the day. So yeah. if you crank blue album, yeah, it's fires on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cuomo's is a great player. Right. He was yeah. A, so I don't know. I don't think of a. I don't think of a specific sort of uh, guitar world that kind of changed me, but I just remember every month. Uh, it was yeah. kind of like my, I think it was my birthday present. Nice. After 14, it was nice. like Guitar World subscription, which was kind of frustrating because it'd be out on the newsstands before you got it. I never liked the subscription thing because they would always be, be folded and damaged. And I like yeah, going to the store sometimes. and seeing it. And I'm like, ah, no, yeah. I'm just going to get yeah, it from there. Not pick the first one. Exactly. <laughs> and God, please let it be a good rollout uh, poster. Yeah, who's, right. Whose guitar is it going to be? Um, oh, damn. That I was, was my walls. Though. My walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All. I keep, I keep having questions for you. And I keep, I keep getting derailed by my own thoughts about the next. <laughs> I'm really good at just going on tangents. So I apologize. For no, that. no, no, no. This is, this is good. We, uh, got, we got up to me. Moving to Toronto, I think, and then yeah, and then we just started rocking. <laughs> we gear. went down the, the yellow brick road. <laughs> so in your in your travels of touring and, and, and you know inadvertently bumping into people, uh, any any landmark hero moments that you were able to like meet or play with or share a stage with? Uh, share a stage with. It's kind of low hanging fruit questions, but you got to ask because. You know, yeah, it's, know, it's always amazing who, who bands. I did get to, like, I'm a huge Doyle Bramhall fan. Yeah? Joel, but Doyle Bramhall Jr. And uh, Sass is, is really good friends with them. So cool. he, he was playing at Peter's Players in Gravenhurst, mm-hmm. in a tiny little place. And uh, so she got us tickets, and we went to go to, got to go to dinner with him. And it's like the hottest day of the year. <laughs> And we go to this place that doesn't even have a fan, like no air conditioning, but there's not even air movement at all. Like the waitress walking Oof. by is like the sweetest relief <laughs> in the world. So I'm dying of heat. They and they they all knew that I was kind of obsessed with Doyle, so they they put me right beside him. I was in there sweating, and everybody else is kind of talking. And I ordered a pizza, and it was like the most garlicky pizza that's ever existed so i bite into it and i'm sweating from the garlic sweating because it's hot and he just like the main thing that he said to me during the whole thing was so i guess you like garlic eh?" oh my god (laughs) i'm like not really it's just what i ordered it just happened apparently it's a really garlicky pizza and i'm sweating my balls off right And I'm tripping balls because I'm sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, and I was nervous. Yeah, so that's three amazing. stages of sweat just pouring out of me at a time. But that was really cool. He was super nice. That's cool. Sass- an amazing show, too. Like, cool. he was on fire that night. Cool. So, Sass yeah. Jordan, that your tenure with her, was that before uh, Colin James? Yeah, that was kind of my first. I, I did a tour with... Uh, Rex Gowdy and Melissa O'Neill, the Canadian Idol winners of mm-hmm. 2006, I believe. So you were tapped to play with them? Yeah. Cool. So I got, I got in there. Okay. So and uh, her husband was the music director. I Derek, see. Derek Sharp. Okay. And then uh, we did the tour. And, you know, we're just on tour. And he's like, he's like just, you'd, you'd be really good with sass. I'd like, cool. I would love to do that. She can sing her ass off, man. She's awesome. And you know, she does that all day long. Like, you know, we go and rehearse and she's like, eh, I'm going to take, take it easy today. Guys. <laughs> you know, like, not once does she take it easy. <laughs> like, always on. She just got it. She just got it all the time. And, you know, 
I don't know if she does kind of in hiding, but I don't even really hear her warm up or anything like that. Some people she just, just walk in the light, man. Yeah. She's awesome. She's great. She's hilarious. She's my, one of my favorite people in the world. Cool. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about Horshack. First of all, yeah. 10 out of 10 on the name. Thank you. Arnold I mean, Horshack. Who, yeah. who, who does anything named Horshack? I love that. Um, <laughs> So major welcome back Cotter fan. Love the nice. theme song. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. So yeah. what, what is, what is Horshack? It is a classic rock cover band that we've been doing since 2010. Cool. And uh, we kind of, we played at the Orbit Room every Sunday for, until it closed down, just, you know, the pandemic yeah. caused that. And uh, yeah, we were at the We Chief kind of when things opened up on Wednesdays again and um it's just basically it's fun for us like we we don't really love to do the typical bar band sort of stuff what do you do you know like anything from like Thin Lizzy Tom Petty nice uh you know Beatles uh Boston cool uh Ace nice you know nice it's kind of Oh yeah, love right it. Right on, man. And uh, you know, in so it's intelligent. Know, Pink Floyd, yeah. you know, we, uh, you it's, know, we, we're like entertaining crowd isn't lost on us, yeah. but we, we really put the emphasis on songs that we like. It's a well curated set, yeah. and you know, we've we basically call it our bowling night because everybody's busy, everybody's in other bands and stuff. Like I love that. that you do. You've been doing it for twelve years. That, that even the commitment yeah. to your fun projects is 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 very good. Oh yeah, that's yeah. awesome. By the oh, way, I, I love it. I've been doing this for a year, and I've, I've sung into the microphone three times. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. Uh, I don't <laughs> sing into the microphone when I'm interviewing. Apparently, I'm doing it tonight. <laughs> nice. So Horshack is is a is a is an out, fun outing for you guys. Yeah, and and like we don't we don't chase. Like, we don't want to really get into the corporate world or anything like right. that. We're just, you know, we kind of do what we do. And play sometimes like we play. get asked things, and, and, you know, we're all kind of busy with other stuff. Like, when do you play next? I would love to see a set. We actually don't have another gig booked right now, but we're hoping to get another regular kind of in I would Toronto. love to, I would love to see that. will happen oh. soon. I actually, you know... It's I, a lot of fun. I write and record stuff, but I, I'm like, man, I just... I just want to play rock and roll. Like I've actually thought about like, I might go back to 1994 and put an ad out and just do a cover band just for shits. Yeah. Well, I've always loved it because, you know, you know, no matter what in, in Canada, really, it's not enough to, no matter what artist you're playing for, it's not enough to really oh. make a full on living. Got to hustle. Yeah. Yeah. So God bless you. Know, you. Being in a cover band is the best way for me to, make a living really like, yeah. I, you know some people look down on it or whatever and i'm just kind of like you know beats working at starbucks dude you're getting you paid know? to play music yeah and it's songs that we love and luckily i've gotten to be able to do that and we have, we're all kind of like-minded in that mm -hmm. sort of thing where you know we just want to get have a good gig you know have a weekly maybe fill in the odd friday saturday Man, if it's the right place you know the second i see it on on your insta i'm, I'm going to be there I, awesome. I, I need a good night out yeah. to see that what was the last <laughs> another good one uh, uh <clears throat> on on sundays i play with rick van dyke and jimmy reed uh we're called chris van reed is that shore grill and grotto so you that, that's current yeah so this like every sunday you're playing there yeah it's kind of been like a born out of the pandemic when we weren't allowed to use drums or anything and you know we were kind of bubbled up because all our our 
ladies or friends as well. And right. So what's the genre? Like, what do you guys do? We kind of do everything too. Like we we kind of focus on harmonies. So is it acoustic or is it like full band? Two acoustics and one electric. Amazing. Yeah. So it's just three piece sort of thing. And you know, it's just harmonies. Like we, cool. we just love singing together. Basically Take my wife to come see you. Yeah. It's a great, like five to nine. It's early. Kids are welcome. Bring like it. Bring your dog if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool, man. Indoor, outdoor. Uh, outdoor during the summer. I think it goes until end of September. Cool. And then we move inside. So we've spent a lot of time talking about, uh, you know, we're, we're about an hour and a half. We're going to start cool. winding our way down. Thank you, cool. by the way, for just being oh, awesome. Oh, it's been great. Yeah. I hope that every time. Cherry Barnes Burdock. What, what do you beer? think? What do you think of the hipster beer? Sour Cherry Brett beer. What is Brett beer? I have no idea. What do you, what do you, Brett. what do you prefer of the two? I, you know, I'm a Coors Light guy, so anything close to that, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with this one, the pink one. What is that? I have no idea. It's a Japanese name. Hagoromo. Hmm. My Holy hope is God. every time you have a pad tie, you think about the Rocket Tie. Godspeed podcast. Brewery. Cool. That's mine. Okay. Yeah, this isn't so bad. Okay. Cardock Cherry and Barnes. You know, as far as craft beers go. <laughs> so. <laughs> quite the endorsement <laughs> i mean for a course like guy that yeah, i guess i guess it would be <laughs> so it's easy to get lost in the 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 tinsel of oh you play with so-and-so but you are obviously a songwriter and musician in your own right um yep. and you're doing your own thing how active are you pursuing the chris cadell thing um i mean i, I have a record in the can right now that cool. we're kind of you know, plugging away at, and we we started recording it uh, in 2020. Did a couple of sessions. It was one of the things in the pandemic that I had to kind of learn of like recording at home. I've never really that was my next question. So you weren't traditionally in a studio. You were tracking. We yeah, we went to Jucasa and did the bed tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, but you know, it was a weird time because uh, you know I'd never spent that amount of time not playing. You know, I never even thought about what did like, you do with yourself? I mean, cause your, your gig, your income is, is gigging. Yeah. What did you do? Uh, I, we're taking another side we, step again. We, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I kind of hung out for a little while. <laughs> I call it, I'm calling it, uh, the everybody's life nap, you know, and I just kind of hung out. And then, uh, my friend of mine, uh, convinced me to do a, a live stream for his bar, his Lou Dog's uh, thing. Who used to be in Hamilton here, and uh, he's like, "You just do it, just do a live stream." And I'm like, ah, "I don't know, man. That seems kind of lame." <laughs> you know, you're like, I don't want to be the guy like sitting there. Here's a song, and you know, just being acoustic alone in your room. It's not the best showcase for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, it's. If you're John Mayer, you can get away with it because you're known, guess, right? But but yeah, I mean, like you know, am I gonna be, am I gonna be that sort of thing? So I tried it, and and I was like, I was like, well, I want to I want to do maybe just kind of like a late night talk show sort of vibe. Yes, I've yeah. seen that, yeah. and I'm like, I okay, dug, cool, I like, dug it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, let's have some little segments, let's have some fun, let's cool. make it have a drinking game. You know, it got really popular, so like you know, we had a little PayPal thing and. That kind of awesome, you know, kept us afloat. Like people were pretty generous, and like and COVID, it was a lot of fun. Like it, you know, it was probably the, the I, I say it's like the the best and the worst 
thing for our sanity at yeah. the time, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it, it's a lot of work, as you know, like for, yeah. you know, even for podcasts and stuff, it's just, it's not just like turn the microphones on and go. No. It's yeah. A lot of stuff involved. COVID was a, was a two years of reinvention for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, during that time, it was like, you know, I, I was in San Francisco, Oakland, when the pandemic kind of like reached its kind of everything's shutting down. The Zenith. borders are getting shut down. So right. they're like, we're flying you guys home right today. So I was like, okay. Wow. Coming home. And then, uh, you know, I hadn't really spent that time away from a guitar mm. ever, mm. you know, in at least 25 years. Wow. You know, like to have, I think I had a, two vacations, one each year before because my fiance kind of forced me to do it. You're stopping like, we're now. Going we're going away. away. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm away a lot and I understand she, you know, yeah. have some quality time. And I, and it was great. But they fought like seven days not playing a gig. Weird. Totally weird. And then the pandemic hits and then all of a sudden it's like six months. Six months of your ears not ringing? What? <laughs> Nice. Do you have tinnitus, my friend? I don't think so. I'm sure I have a little bit, but it doesn't really bother me. I've been pretty lucky, knock on wood. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, if it's really silent, maybe I'll hear a little bit, but yeah. not really. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good to them. Like, I'm, I find in ears have been worse for that sort of thing for me than just open air. Sort Interesting. Of thing. Yeah. Because it's like right at It's your right eardrum. in there. Yeah. So, yeah, jury's out for me on that. I'm like, is this better or is this I worse? I don't think it's better at all. Yeah. Personally, I hate it. I don't like them at all, but you have to. Do you, do you put both in? Because I always have one out, one in. I kind of have to do mm. both. I need, I need to hear the room. Oh, our guy is great. Uh, Kai, well, that's a different story, though. You have, you have yeah. a guy devoted yeah. to your monitor yeah. mix. Yeah. So that's, Kai is amazing. Okay. So he yeah, absolutely makes sure that we're happy sort of thing. I just, and it's not that that I hate. It's just the exhaustion of it I, I find the speakers going straight penetrating your eardrum is, cranium, yeah you know that's that's a lot so you were you were talking about your stuff and then we, we, we oh did, yeah we did it again but you were you were tracking at home right yeah, yeah. so I, uh so when we when we went in it was like kind of things were a little bit opened up you know, people were kind of cool with being like, okay, we can go to a studio, everybody mask up and right. wash your hands a bunch and, you know, keep sanitary stuff around yeah. your station or whatever. And so we went in and did it and, and I'm just listening back and I'm like, I am terrible right now. You know what I mean? Like, Chops I just like, yeah. I'm just like, you know, and going for things that I'm like, this always just kind of happens. And, you know, I guess it was my own fault for not really like, like I'm not a big practicer. Like if I have to learn something or you know, if I'm working on something, you know, I'll, I'll go until I get it. But I don't, I wouldn't say I was at the time, at least uh, I wasn't really picking up the guitar just for whatever. Arbitrarily. Had, yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. And I didn't even think about it and time flew by so fast, right. you know, it's like all of a sudden it's like three months later and you're like, Oh, I got a cake. I'll be fine. And then you go to it and you're like, why? Right. What's this? You know, your fingers are just yeah. not working. You know, it's a physical yeah. thing you got to keep up. I think people realize that that you're uh, ch losing chops is a thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It big really time. is a thing, and it isn't it amazing though how quickly it does come back though. Yeah, it took, but it took me a while. It was after that, and we 
we did a big rec live stream that, you know, I, when we came out of it, I was just like, I was kind of really not happy with how I mm. played and, and mm. stuff like that. So I was like, well, I'm not going to let that happen. Again. Right. So then I really got into doing that, but then I had to redo all the guitars that I had done in the studio. Like you redid most it, of them. Eh? Anything like kind of acoustic slide sort of stuff for some reason that kind of worked out but uh anything electric i'm just like that's just hmm. boring stuff so i recomped it out yeah. luna and got one of those uh universal audio ox boxes yeah, yeah, yeah so i could do it in an apartment i live in an apartment so or a condo so i can't be loud but i don't want the tones to be good and so that's figuring out how to do that a great invention by the way oh it's amazing yeah ah yeah saved my life like Pretty really cool. like it's gonna be most of the guitars on my record <laughs> what, are that what an invention yeah, yeah it's amazing and it's it's surprising the combinations of things that end up being you know yeah for those of you who may not know the the uh ox box is is a contraption of amazing witchcraft that basically you only get certain parameters of sound and tones out of amps that are pushing air and are loud Mm-hmm. And the, the, the valves and the amps are warmed up and yada, yada, yada. And you have to crank it. And if you live in an apartment, you're going to get kicked out. So this yeah. thing allows you to have the loud tones mm-hmm. at minimal volumes. Yeah, just headphones. And I was surprised at how, you know, like, in your hands, you kind of feel it, too. Cool. Even really? though you just got headphones on. It's like, it, it really translates that way. So when's the album coming up? Oh, I don't know. I got to say, I'm not really pumped about being an artist okay i mean i i like to write songs i like to put stuff out but it's never really made any money for me <laughs> it's yeah. it's always a money going out sort of thing yeah that sounds so familiar i'm not too pumped up about it make it so but can. i like it. i'm happy about it don't get me wrong no i get it but yeah. so yeah so can pays me 13 35 cents a year. <laughs> oh, you're, you're making a killing. Oh, to man. My, I'm getting paid for my art, brother. Paid oh, for my man. art. Yeah, so can. Thank you, guys. So, uh, so, <laughs> it's my own fault. Complete <laughs> quantum leap. I have to ask you this. Uh, did you ever get into the band Jellyfish? No. You know of them? Should I? I don't know why I'm going here. Um, Eric Dover was the lead singer for Slash of Snake, but he was the lead guitarist for a band called Jellyfish. They okay. were at LA. <clears throat> they I remember were, that Slash of Snake. Yeah, they were... Um, the bass player is a well-known producer in his own right now. Uh, I can't think of his name. But they were a bunch of young cats that were... Their aesthetic was very 60s, 70s, trippy, hippie, psychedelic. Maybe like in the early 90s, psychedelia psychedelia and 60s 70s things was kind of coming coming in and uh resurgence of it and these guys were like beach boys meets big star meets ace right poppy but incredibly intelligent cool songs and the, the lead singer who was phenomenal vocalist was the drummer Oh yeah, and these guys were really, really good, and uh, it's kind of like if you know, you know, kind of thing. They had some right. some minor hits, but they're just they were too good, and too far out for their time. Right, but they're phenomenal. So if you ever get a chance to listen to Jellyfish, cool, phenomenal band. Yeah, um, just curious if you if you had because I stumbled upon them in grade nine. Uh-huh. Um, 
That's really the end of my story. They were, they were, they're just really good. I definitely good. heard the name. I, don't, yeah. I just don't I wouldn't be able to. They have a song, I really they have a song called Bad Is Why and Ghost at number one. And it's, uh, they're just cool cats. Right. Um, cool. That's it, really. Awesome. Yeah, uh, so uh, I think hopefully later this year I'll put out. Cool. At least something. Do you have anything on streaming right now that a previous? I put out, yeah, two records okay, cool. before. Dude, this, this uh, two hours has flown by. You've you're, yeah. you've been a great cool. guest. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Did you, you're a great host yourself. Thank you. Did you have you enjoyed yourself? <laughs> yeah, man, this is great. I had Good. a couple beers. Yeah, some pad thai. Slammed down some pad thai. I appreciate you coming all the way from Toronto, man. That's um, yeah, that, no that, that, that's that's only happened twice. Uh, I had a producer friend, uh, Dan Hosh, uh-huh. Sidecar Recording Studios in Toronto. He, he made the track out here. Cool, it's a big deal for I'm me. I'm used to the drive. Yeah. Even though it's the traffic sometimes is yeah, it's not it sucks. Yeah, but what's gonna have to get into these podcasts because it was I was listening to you on the way and I'm like oh, this is a pretty good way to I go think kill think, some time. I think you'd be good at it. Yeah, I think you <laughs> we would. have a joke. My fiance and I are for the last like three weeks we've had people come over and they're like, "Do you listen to podcasts?" And we're both like, "No, no," and, <laughs> but that doesn't stop them. No, they're still like, "Oh, well, you got to listen, dude." I I, I just I, don't. I, I had the name the Rocky Talkie Podcast. Uh-huh. 12 years ago when no one had a podcast and now literally everybody has them. Mm. It pissed me. <laughs> like I, I got a WordPress name that I saved like, you know, 12 years ago and it took me till a year ago to start this. And I'm like, Oh, why didn't I do this? But anyway, I was busy doing other things. I'm into it though. It was fun. It's been, it was, it was good to listen to you cool. all day. And cool. Yeah. I, I appreciate you doing the homework. That's, uh, that's I, a I like to do that. I mean, I hate kind of coming in cold and yeah, not really, no. Uh, next big shows coming up for you that people can check out, either Big Rec or Colin James. When, when are the tours picking up again? Or you know, how, where, where are you on that cycle right now? I think right now we only have the one Big Rec show next weekend. Where's that? In Manitoba somewhere. Nice. Do you guys fly out there or do you drive? Yeah. Okay. We took the bus last time, which was kind of fun. It takes a while, though. Our tour bus is fun. I feel like they would be great. Yeah. Man. I mean, it gets old pretty quick. I'm sure. I'm not going to lie. But, but, the, but uh, the first, the pizzazz of it at first is like, that must be pretty cool. It's kind of awesome. I mean, and then there's the other, the other side that's like, you know, I mean, I mean, generally there's some beers. Sure. There's, uh, you know, I mean, we just watch movies most of the time. And What's, what, what are the bunks like? What's that experience like? It's like. Are they small? They're not big. But you get you, you're not get big. Used to it, I guess it'd be like like this. Okay, and I'm I'm about as six foot as it gets, and I fit kind of almost perfectly. Is it an elevated wall so that you don't roll out of your bed, or how does that happen? Like no, there's just a little curtain. Really? Yeah. And, and I've te- always been a a top bunk guy. I don't know why. I think I was just kind of rele- relegated there early on in my career. How do you get into the top bunk? You climb. <laughs> yeah, it's a stupid question, but like I've never seen a ladder. Or is there a ladder no, that I've No, there's never a ladder. You just what? Step on the bottom bunk and you hold throw on, your leg around? Hold on to your, your bunk, the top yeah. bunk. Uh step on the second person's bunk and then kind of propel yourself in. I just want to acknowledge <laughs> that Chris Cadell of Big Rack has explained to me and shown me physically yeah. how to climb into a tour bus bunkie. So you Jump up and then you kind of do a roll. Okay. Yeah. See, but this is and the top bunk is it's 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 dicey. Like yeah, you, you can't just lay 
like straight. Yeah. You kind of have to be on your side and like keep a knee out. See, here's the thing, bro. I am, I'm a maniacal sleeper. Like my wife sleeps like a corpse. Oh yeah. She will just roll out of bed and the bed's made. She doesn't move. Right. Dude, I, I, I fight with my sheets. Like yeah. I, I hug in between my legs. Like it, it's, I don't know if I could do the tour bus bunk. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's, but anyway, there's something about the hum of the bus, yes. and then, you know, just rolling down the road. It depends on the driver too. I mean, as long as it, it, uh, a band like Big Wreck, do you eat well on the road? You guys got a good scenario, good pretty actually. Yeah. yeah, like I'm not a very good, you know, barometer for that because I I like my fast food. And you easy like to that. please? What's what's your go to fast food scenario? McDonald's. Okay, so yeah. double Big Mac. Oh man, yeah. extra G, extra sauce though. No, the ratio is off. You need to add more sauce. I don't think so. They've gotten a little crazy with the sauce lately. Yeah, yeah. I feel like double Big Mac, it's even eh? Too much. Yeah. How frequently? How how often do you go to McDonald's? I'm not bad. I mean, every other week. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good, man. That's yeah. You're, you're committed. I mean, I love, I love that stuff. But you know, if if I have it two days in a row, I'm like, Ugh. but it's, but do you have a starter? Like, do you like the McDouble and then the main course no. burger? It depends on my hunger. Yeah. But if I'm doing the double Big Mac, I'll pretty much stick to that. I think but every, I'll get some nuggets because see, this one, is, so you, my fiance, she's so always do. like, no, I'm not hungry. My daughter Layla and never gets nuggets home. and I always end up. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I think every generation has their McDonald's moments. But if, if you're from the 80s, yeah, there's something like when you smell, yeah, it's nostalgia. And that's the thing, like the double Big Mac is probably the size of what the Big Mac was at that time. Yeah. Or the Grand Mac is like what the 80s Big Mac was. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. Even that's thinner. I tried the Grand Mac. I was it's rude o- for it. It's overrated. Yeah. The bun ratio is not, not right. No, it's terrible. Okay. What's a close second for, for fast food for you? Um, I guess probably, are we including like sub places or sure. just like burger places? Whatever you want. A pita bit. Yeah. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Yeah. Cool. Um, what was the last time you had a Whopper? I had one. See, of, I love, I do love me some Burger King. Don't get me wrong. I hated Burger King. And then the last year, I'm like, ah, uh, this is good. Yeah. I feel like they've gotten their shit together again. Yeah. Uh, double quarter pound King. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. We've covered a lot of ground here tonight. I know. <laughs> I, have, oh, I got this pad tie here. I got to stick it. to that. I, <laughs> I did do McDonald's the other day, so I'm mean, should oh, be good, man. <laughs> well, yeah, Burger King, I'd say. Yeah, it's got to be up there. They got to step up their fry game, though. They do. It's terrible. Wendy's has also upped their ante a bit. Are they? Yeah, are they getting their fries together. They always say they are, and then they're just the same. <sighs> I, you know, pound for pound, man, McDonald's. Yeah. Pound for pound. I mean, it just wins. Really. It, it really does. Because yeah. th- there's nothing they make that sucks. Yeah. Maybe the McRib. I've I don't, never even tried I, it. I don't get it. I won't even go nah, there. No, it's not. No. No. I'm, I'm pretty like set on my ways. If I go to even to a restaurant and I get something that I like, I'll get that until I die. What's the drink you get when you have McDonald's? Iced tea. Really? Most of the time. Really? Or a cola. You don't want that like burn of that like swallowing after your, your big bite and it's like, oh, I, that... I do kind of like it. It depends. It depends on my hmm. mood, but mostly, mostly iced tea. I love iced tea. Though. Can I, can I just share with you a stupid nerdy Absolutely. fact? fact? When I was a kid, 
grade two, 1984, I would lie in bed and daydream about the fact that I was on the Death Star <laughs> and I was like a Han Solo type and my best friends were like Luke and, you know, yeah. and the girl that I had a crush on was Princess Leia. And uh, in these high-tech rooms, we would push a button and McDonald's meals would just come out of the wall and you'd eat them. <sighs> and that was my like apex daydream. Star Wars That'd characters, so great. Princess Leia girlfriend with McDonald's coming out of the walls. I hope the future has stuff like that, and then you, it just came with a pill that took away all the bad stuff. About yeah, it, you know? yeah. So you just like like Back to the Future, where you have that little pill-sized Pizza Hut, and you microwave it, but re- yeah, but reverse. Yeah. So it'd be like, you know, if you're like, okay, I had McDonald's yesterday, <laughs> can't do this again. Be like, I got gotcha. you. Double Big Mac. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You just get like whatever minimal nutrients are in it as we as we wind down here i'm a chef so i'm allowed to ask these random questions what what is your uh, if you could have if you could snap your well what's your favorite food uh, hold on let me reframe this it's just you you got a night to yourself uh-huh. that movie just came out on apple tv or whatever yeah and you can order anything you want and crush it and it's just you and your couch and a great movie ordering in yeah, what are you what are you snacking on? I do like a good like Chinese food sort yeah. of feast. Okay, but like what though? Uh, I gotta have chicken balls. Yes, gotta have chicken fried rice. Yes, pork no fried onions. What do you I hate? Come on, dude. Hate onions. onions is a building block. I know, but I just can't stand them. I can't. I can't do it. Yes, I've Chris. Tried. Chris Cadell asked specifically no <laughs> onions in his pad thai. That, that's on his rider list. Yes. <laughs> But it ruins everything for me. I don't. Okay. I, and I've tried and tried and tried and tried. I, yeah, I, you don't. Fuck I was with making. That. I was making progress for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and my fiance, she's a great cook, so she'll like really, really dice onions. So as long as I don't, okay, okay, really see them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not biting it, into. So is it like, textural? I think it's kind of textural, okay. but if I really taste taste it, yeah. like it's that's it's it. ruined for the rest of the meal. Interesting. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, if there was just one little piece of onion on the end of a sub and I bit into that first, I wouldn't be able to eat that. Even if I Interesting. saw that there were no onions okay. in the rest. I don't know. I don't, All right. I don't know why. So, so you, you will elevate a chicken fried rice over a pork fried rice. I am a pork fried rice guy. Yeah? Yeah. I might go pork fried next time. I now, don't think I've really given it much of a go. And would you choose a sweet and sour chicken ball over breaded shrimp with butter and lemon yes okay i'm not really a seafood guy are you an egg roll guy love egg rolls oh yeah you can't find egg rolls anymore what do you mean spring rolls are pretty much the only thing have they they taken over yeah maybe it's a toronto thing you can still get them here pretty good and are you a wonton soup guy i like yeah man hot and sour soup is my kind of yeah though i don't know and uh general tao's chicken i'll tell you what if you're ever in hamilton and you have time to kill yeah, there are Toronto. I mean, Toronto is still is the place for for the food scenes just everywhere. Huge. Right. Yeah. But Hamilton has serious street cred with authentic um, Szechuan, Thai and Vietnamese food. Right. Like this r- Thai is amazing. Real yeah, deal. Orange noodles. Too. Yeah, man. So I've never seen that. If you're ever if you got time to kill and you're in town, uh-huh. you have my number. I'm going to show you around. Cool. Because there's like legit family run places around here that are like wicked. Right. Yeah. 
sidebar. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love I love trying new things. I, like I get I get made fun of on the road because I'm I'm the guy that's like, hey, let's go. Yeah, let's just go get some McDonald's. Everybody, let's go. <laughs> it's gonna kill you, man. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, it's not going to kill anybody. Well, Ian Thornley probably eats diet, has dietary uh, considerations for his vocal cords. I don't, I don't think he's that crazy about it. No? But he, he eats pretty well. He doesn't, he doesn't really eat. He seems like he's pretty garbage a, like I do. Pretty lean guy. Yeah. Yeah, tall and lean. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I don't want to stop, but I have to stop because I have this unwritten rule about keeping it within two hours. But um, yeah, cool. cool, man. If you ever do a podcast... I think yeah. let's do one together one day. Sure. I think we could uh, bullshit our way around it and pick a topic <laughs> and go. I mean, we, we, I have a feeling like you, you probably enjoy sci-fi and you probably like to talk about film and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I get into the, the star Wars stuff. That's basically it. The Boba Fett's and the Mandalorian's. Oh, Mandalorian's pretty great, isn't it? That's awesome. I, I we're watching it again for the second time. You know, I waited in line 18 hours for tickets for Phantom Menace and I waited another 12 hours to get a placement a week later to get in the theater. I was in the newspaper. I was on the radio station talking about it. I was gutted at how bad. That's too much. I hated Phantom Menace. I, I woke up. Dude, Have you watched it again since? Just to give it another chance? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, there were some redeeming qualities. I mean, Ewan McGregor was phenomenal. Darth Maul was pretty kick-ass. But I had to wait till uh, Mandalorian Yeah, for me to go, okay. Yep, I got yeah. this. I wouldn't say I was like a crazy Star Wars fan, but well, I, dude, as I, soon as we started the Mandalorian, I saw Jedi in the theater twice. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, I think I saw one of them. Yeah. For me, it's it's we go back. Yeah. So, uh, Chris Cadell, uh, social social media. How do people find you, my, my man? Uh, I'm just Chris Cadell, C A D D E L L, on Facebook. Okay, you can do that. Uh, Chris underscore Cadell. On Twitter, which I'm never on. You're still on Twitter? No. I exist I somewhere. I haven't posted since like maybe like 2010. That sounds and about I'm right. And I'm waiting for the perfect time. That sounds about right. I'm back. Yeah. I think I'm hoping when the Leafs win the cup. But maybe. Nice. That might be a long time. And then uh, Chris Cadell Music on Instagram. Cool. Yeah. So Big Rec coming up in Manitoba next week, you said? Yeah. Uh, anything else? Then uh, I'm with Colin in Edmonton, September 3rd. Cool. Are you playing Hamilton with him anytime soon? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be here uh, early October. So I, I'm i going to be at that show. Cool. I want my wife to see that. Yeah. Um, Let me know if you need tickets. I'll hook you up, man. Oh, dude. That's, that's, that'll be a first. hook you up, man. <laughs> you know, you, you're going to have, I, I, I'd love to cook for you one day. Sure. I'd love that. But you're going to have good food. Yeah. backstage anyway at that gig but uh um, usually if you're if yeah, you're gonna be if you have if you have if you're here during the day yeah if you get in to be rolling to town with time to kill uh-huh let me know and i will take you to saint james cool and feed you a feast i love it and have you come check it out here we're just down the street too right? yeah you're not far at all yeah, yeah, at all you're like two, three blocks away yeah uh chris cadell this has been one of the better two two hours of uh my podcast life thank you so much for being a sweetheart and saying yes and coming uh an hour out of your way through shitty traffic no, no problem and um i had a great time awesome and i look forward to seeing you. you uh play live again and i hope we can do this at least one more time sure 
And uh, I would yeah, encourage I'll come you back to, for the pad thai alone. I will just lure you in <laughs> with food. That's what I'll do. And hipster beer. Next time, yeah. next time I'll have Coors Light for you. So uh, thank you guys for joining us for episode thirty-eight of the Rocky Talk podcast with uh, I'm going to say my now friend Chris Cadell of Big Rex, Sass Jordan. Um, please help me with the other guy's name. Why Colin James? I'm sorry, Colin James and uh, Horse Shack and Chris Cadell music. Uh, thank you guys. We will see you next. Well, we are we are. Right down. Oh, we got one one minute, one fifth, one hour, nine seconds. Anyway, Chris, thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. See you soon, guys. Bye.